Hello everybody and welcome to season 11 of Sequelizers. I am your host, Jack Chambers-Ward, as usual. And joining me, also as usual, it's Matthew Stockton. The Sequelizers will not survive this world. We will reclaim it. One movie at a time. Yeah, and the (laughs) fuckers keep getting punched out really fast. (laughs) We will never run out of bad sequels to fix. Seemingly. And speaking of things that don't need fixing, we love you, Tim. You're perfect. It's Tim Mayton. The sons of the sequelizer clan. One bitten by pop, one by metal, <laughs> one to walk the lonely road of mortality as a weeb. It's, <laughs> it's a ridiculous legend, nothing more. Fucking hell. <laughs> was Maje- like, that was majestic, too. Yeah. I was like, oh, that one could be me. Oh. Like, no. <laughs> That one is me. <laughs> it's like pop metal, like, yeah, I like pop metal. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well, we're going to talk a lot about heritage and legacies and prophecies and all kinds of shit this week. Because it is the final Patreon pick for this season. We will be talking about 2012's Underworld Awakening. Yes. It's the fourth one in that series. And yes, there is a fifth one as well. (laughs) We will touch on the fifth one, but that is not the one we are fixing. We were instructed by one of our VIPs, which I'll mention in a moment, Mm -hmm. and chastised most likely, Mm -hmm. that we are fixing the fourth Underworld movie. Fucking hell. Here we are. (laughs) But before we get to... Discussing Underworld, Underworld Evolution, Rise of the Lycans, Underworld Awakening, or Underworld Blood Wars. Uh, you missed off the animated film. <laughs> I did, yes, because that short is fine, but it's pointless. It's Let's go over to patreon.com slash sequelizers and say a lovely little thank you to everyone there who supports us. Because if you go there, you can get early access, you can get ad-free access to all the episodes. And you can get discounts on merch, exclusive merch, and the bonus content. We just recorded a weird, chaotic bunch of bonus content for <laughs> yeah. this episode. One of the weirdest quizzes. We often devolve into quizzes for some reason, because it seems to just work. It's a good prompting talking point for us to do things and reveal things about ourselves we may not want to. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. And this was one of the shortest, most poorly written quizzes <laughs> I think yeah. we've ever done. We, it, it's five questions, and we spent a good 20 minutes talking about it. Um, after we spent just like minutes... Just like the bunch of Sonyas that we are. <laughs> hey, hey. Hey, 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 hey. I'm a victor. Thank you very yeah. much. <laughs> Sleaze bag that no one likes, apparently. Um, a sleazy badass. Thank you very much. Yeah, I said what I said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but as well as that, trying to list a load of theatre actors. So, you know, it's, it's quality stuff. I know I, I'm, I'm being facetious, but it's genuinely quality it's stuff. It's quite funny. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we come up with some silly nonsense. And a lot of the times we will cover stuff that kind of relates to the episode itself. So it works as a nice little accompaniment, basically. There's like... Up, upwards of 45 minutes to an hour of extra content if you go and support us at the £10 tier or higher yeah. you get that and for the season finale that's coming up very very soon we do have the final movie commentary of this season as well that's right you get three movie commentaries to accompany these terrible sequels all at the £10 tier or higher if you go up to the £30 tier or higher you can become an executive producer like these fine folks have done 
I am going to count them. Marcus Lindstrom. Uh, 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 uh. One. David Selinger. Two. James McDowell. Three. Josh van der Sluis. Four. Canis Rufus. Five. <laughs> Philip Morgan. Six. Hyper Dude Man. Seven. And Stuart Main. Eight. Thank you, executive producers, for your continuing support. We very, very much appreciate it. You make this show possible. But there are the select few, the elders of the sequelizer, Patreon, mm. if you will. Only one could exist at a time, apparently. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, they sealed Un- in chambers for yeah. centuries at a time and only one is unleashed. Except when they're not. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've had to deal with all three of them picking terrible fucking films for us. Yeah. And those three VIPs are Jonathan Firth Clark. Mine! Xenos. <laughs> Ten! And Josh Miles. Eleven! Thank you, EPs and VIPs, for making this season possible. And like I said, this is a VIP pick from the one and only Jonathan Firth Clark himself. And oh boy, Jonathan, fucking hell! <laughs> when I saw, oh, he's he's doing Underworld. Cool. I guess we'll fix Underworld Evolution. Oh no, because we're going diving straight into the fourth fucking movie in this franchise. In a way that we only would if it was picked by someone else. <laughs> Let's get the fuck into this. Because I know, I mean, usually we're like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll glacially and very, uh, almost languidly get into it roundabout. Yeah. We've got a lot of synopses to cover yeah. and these things are convoluted bollocks. They are. Now, I'm not going to go over my history because of course my history is I watched all these things like Day of Release. Um, Except for the the two other ones being uh, Awakening and Blood Wars, because I don't feel like Blood Wars got a cinematic release. If it did, it was very limited. Mm. But the point is, I have seen them all. Now, of course, being, uh, I want to say, 19 when these films came out. That's about right. I yep. enjoyed the first one. Mm. Um, I enjoyed the second one. And I enjoyed the prequel. We'll get to this in a second, in more detail. And to put that into perspective, I believe Jonathan Firth Clark had a similar experience and enjoyed almost guaranteed when they first almost came out. Yeah, hence I his selection. The 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 first Underworld film is literally somebody saw the Matrix and said, but "What if they were vampires and werewolves?" Yeah, that's literally it. As we'll get into in the synopses, the opening scene is just a bit of the Matrix. Literally, <laughs> fucking is. And you know what? I was okay with that at the time. I was like, "Shit, the fuck, yeah." Now, here's what's fascinating. In my mind, there is a line, and the line goes Underworld and Underworld Evolution, and Rise of the Lycans is a prequel, and then they had a huge break, and then there's the fourth and fifth one. Except that's not the case. That's not the case <laughs> at all, no. At all. Because the years on these things is what 2003 is Underworld. Correct. 2006 is Underworld Evolution. Correct. 2009 is Rise of the Lycans. Correct. 2012 is Correct. Awakening. Underwa- and 2017? Correct. So technically, between the first four films, there's the same amount of years. Yeah, the fifth one is the one with the big gap. Yeah. It's three years, three years, three years, five years? Which isn't even yeah. that big of a gap. No. So technically speaking, um, the, the other bit that this plugged in my mind is because when I saw... 2016. 
for Blood Wars. I just, oh, sorry, 16. My apologies. Yeah. Well, no. UK release of 2017. There, there it is. is. There you go. Okay. So what, great the, the reason it's in my head like that is because when I saw Underworld Evolution in the cinema and thought, oh shit, it's a fucking 18 rather than a 15, which means they're going to go much more hardcore with the violence and blood. And you know, this, you actually need this. Well done. Fair, mm. fair play. Know your audience. Yada, yada. Oh, and some steamy sexual stuff. Good. The first one was a little chaste in my opinion, but we'll get to that later. Point is, Underworld Evolution is one of those really, really rare movies which finishes at two. Yeah. And you're like, the story's done now. It's like, no, all films seek a sequel. Oh, sorry, a, a trilogy, I should say. Mm. We had this discussion previously. Everyone's like, for some reason, like, oh, the we, third act. Yeah, we've become obsessed with this. Yeah. Humans love the number three. Everything's a trilogy mm. now. Yeah. Even single books are turned into three-parters for some reason. Yeah, it's, it's more marketable for The Hobbit to be a trilogy than it is one or two films. Is mm. it? That, why? No. It's, it is. It's true. But there's but this weird, weird yeah, number yeah. three equals profit thing. So subsequently... They were like, no, we just did a sequel and finished the story. And by the way, and this is what is also most fascinating to me, because I thought, oh, and then they thought, we want to get Michael Sheen back because he's so fucking good, but we can't because of, he's dead. Oh, we'll do it as in the, uh, the character, not the actor. Um, <laughs> Michael Sheen's not dead. Michael Sheen's not dead. Nothing can kill Michael Sheen. Uh, I, I feel one day there'll be something happen in Welsh Parliament and go, ah, oh, Wales is dead and so too do I return to the mountain's <laughs> core. <laughs> until, <laughs> until Wales needs me again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Welsh people. Um, that's not a Welsh word. Um, Did you just make some f f f noises? Absolutely. <laughs> I feel as both an Englishman, I can do that because of being a hideous racist English person, but also as an Irishman, I can say, eh. Uh, <laughs> anyway, point is, Rise of the Lycans isn't an afterthought. It was greenlit at the same time yep. as Evolution. Yep. Yeah. They were both done at the same time. I'm yep. like, oh, what? <laughs> so the fact that Evolution ends was always intentional. So that's why I think there's that a That is the there. trilogy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then four is just like, oh, by the way, there's more. Like, what do you mean <laughs> also, there's more? And then five is like, by the way, I know we had this whole universe shifting thing. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah. And then, so my, my, my thing is, I will ardently, strangely defend Underworld and Evolution and Rise of Lycans to the degree that they're very pulpy, silly, shitty things that are providing to a specific demographic. They even have like thematic through lines in that trilogy. Yeah. There is a big... Like, again, it doesn't tell the story very well, but there's a big yes. theme of like, it's not just werewolves versus vampires. There's a whole underlying thing of like slavery and how the werewolves have been treated and all this yeah. kind of stuff and blah, blah, blah. And Rise of the Lycans turns us on ahead a little bit saying, actually, you know what? They're not just monsters and things. There's a... Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. We, we explore. It's kind of hinted at the victor's yeah. an asshole and then it's explored more in Rise of the Lycans, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then they're like, fuck it in the bin. Awakenings. <laughs> yeah. It's prime three out of five, two out of five territory of like this never gets in inverted commas good. <laughs> but if you like this kind of schlock, you will very much enjoy it. Mm. And that's how I would I would defend a it. A difficult but not impossible wank. <laughs> I don't think it's a difficult wank at all. I think it is a slick wank. <laughs> Moving on. Straight to a body. <laughs> Um, point is that um, so so subsequently I'm not necessarily surprised that JFC picked Awakening I think it's an annoying thing for us because we could have done more with Evolution and maybe bled it out to two films who knows but I can understand the logic I will now yes. yield the floor yeah it's not it's certainly not our, our old kind of magnum opus our kind of thing where we used to mm. where the rot set in 
but it is the worst of the first four movies. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you set a very specific limit of like, it's not the worst of the franchise, but it's the first really shit one, yeah. I guess. It's where almost, <laughs> man, I say almost all, a lot of the fan base dropped off. Yes. Yeah. And that fan yeah. base was already... It's where the series <laughs> shit the bed, basically. Yeah, very much yeah. so. Yeah. I remember watching the first Underworld and I would I would be what, 13 or 14 and just thinking it was the coolest thing in the world. Of course. Just the coolest gothist vampire-y thing and experiencing like Blade and The Matrix and this all in that like two year period because I was yeah. too young to experience the Blade like the Blade series and The Matrix when they were in the cinemas. Mm-hmm. I would have been like nine and ten. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I'm in my early teens and I'm just in this weird like... Queen of the yeah, Damned of <laughs> like, renting out DVDs and going, oh my god, yeah, my mind's being blown. Everything is metal yeah. and vampires and blood and cool. Imagine and... throwing the crow in there as well. Now you like the crow, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. the whole like, oh my god, yeah, it's I all the things. Th- I, sa- I said that on the crow episode. I would have loved the crow as a fourteen-year-old. Yeah, yeah. I still like the crow now. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I definitely remember seeing. I had only seen the first three before coming to this. I had mm. dropped off and been like, I don't have a fuck about Awakening, like. I like Rise of Lycans is fine. Yeah, cool. Whatever. Jack is one of the aforementioned. Yeah, I am yeah. the people. And then it was like, I don't give a shit about the Underworld series enough to continue watching into my 20s. Yeah. Like, Awakening. And then I found out Blood Wars was a thing about a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the fact it came out too. That's somewhat like, like, it was released in a certain number of cinemas. It wasn't just like a straight to DVD or anything no, like no, that. No, no. It was actually released. I had no idea it existed until a week ago mm. when I went to like actually write down all these synopses properly. I was like, I should probably get like the Wikipedia articles up and like make sure I'm not missing anything or anything like Wait, the fifth one? What? F- oh, fuck, there's a fifth and one. The thing is, when you look at clips of the movies to both, I guess they're a compliment and, a, and, and, and an insult. They Despite, all look the same. They look exactly <laughs> the same. Dif- different directors, different directors, different directors, different cinematographers. S- some of the crew is the same, mm. but it's impressive over they've, a course they've of got, like they've got the twilight blue years. hue. They the definitely way get. Well. I feel like they definitely get more monochromatic she- and washed out. Yeah, uh, as as time goes on. Yeah, definitely. How about you, Tim? I uh, saw the first one in cinema, and then I was rewatching them for this and i was like i've definitely seen the second one and then i started watching it and i was like Uh-oh. i haven't seen the second oh, one of those moments here we go um so apparently i dropped off after after nice. the first one I mean, I, um again don't blame you in time smart. yeah <laughs> uh i think i saw the the second one got pretty bad reviews i seem to I have a vague memory of that. I think that's probably what would have made me not go back. Again, um, I, because... I don't know the Rotten Tomatoes here. I'm not doing the Rotten Tomatoes this week. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna guess. Mm. None of them review well. No, <laughs> um, that would be my nothing. guess. <laughs> because nothing. yeah, I mean, I think um, I would. What, what is it? 2003, the first yep. one. So yeah, I would have been 17. Yeah. Tim Tim sat back <laughs> and had a fucking end of 2001 a space odyssey. Yeah. Moment. <laughs> I was going to go big Lebowski. I lost I lost all sense of numbers and time for a moment. Yeah. Um you're trying to work work out what condition your condition was in. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I would have been 17 and like that's, you know, around that area is kind of prime. It's prime underworld age. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um but for whatever reason by the time I got to 20 I wasn't interested in it. I mean, I suppose I was at uni and I was a little bit, I, I probably would have been maybe in America when it came out. Mm. Um, 
and yeah, so I, for whatever reason, didn't go and see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then never got round to it on DVD or whatever. I was aware that the third one was a prequel, uh, which again made me even less likely to watch it. Mm. Um, and was vaguely aware that there was a fourth and a fifth one. Um, and then yeah, watched watched them in preparation for this. Um, I I think the the I think Rise of the Lycans is better than Evolution, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's Michael Sheen, isn't it? It's it's got Michael Sheen. <laughs> That's the thing. It's but, got the most Michael Sheen of all the films. Yes. So, yeah. Um, I was at a press screening for Frost Nixon, which I'd ah, seen on the stage mm. at the John Gilgul Theatre. Mm. Um, and uh, for those who don't know, it's a, it's a film by Ron Howard. Safe pair of hands. hands. Yeah. Uh, but before that, it was a, it was a play. Um, I really enjoyed it on stage. It was really good, and the film is quite decent, but it loses a bit of the magic of the fact yeah. that the play has no intervals; just literally runs and builds tension. And Langella is really commanding on stage. Anyway, Michael Sheen was filming that uh, after he'd done. Uh, sorry, sorry, he filmed that, and then he went on to film uh, Rise of the Lycans. Yes, and Peter Morgan, who was the director, uh, was was again doing Q and A for this thing and said he needed this pickup line, which is the very thing you get a lot in filmmaking. And so uh, Michael Sheen was on set and had them record the sound and send it over to Peter Morgan. And he sent a picture of himself at the same time because he said, um, Peter Morgan's on stage talking about, you know, Frost Nixon and certain scenes and you know, blah, 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 blah. And then he needed the line, which they have in the, in the, in the play, weirdly enough, which is like, up next on stage, Yvonne Goolagong. <laughs> and it's a thing. Um, and Sheen says that line in his trailer in full Lucian making. In full Lucian yeah, thing, but yeah. with a huge arrow sticking out of him and like massive abs. I'm like, yeah. what the fuck happened to you? <laughs> You're already dirty and covered in like oil and abs and stuff. So um yeah, I think I think Sheen and his energy and his majesty kind of carries a lot of that film. So I absolutely yeah. think uh yeah. Rise of Lycans is a stronger film. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting because Michael Sheen is such a scenery chewing delight in these films yeah and as is bill nighy and a few of the other kind of like mm. as we talked about in the the outtakes the kind of gravitas bringing thespians that are dragged into these schlocky genre films to kind of save the audience i i really enjoy michael sheen and i think he's funny Same. he's entertaining weirdly sexy no, absolutely. Like you said, like just the, the hairy chest, the abs, images to the long coat, but no t-shirt for some reason. You know, it's, like, it's when he says, "Yeah, You're behaving like rabid dog." Rabid dog. Like, oh, this guy's great. Yeah. Why haven't I seen once? And the thing as well is, I don't think now I might have seen Bright Young Things earlier that year. I didn't realize it was him, but um, I don't think a lot of people have really seen him. Oh, this anything. is absolutely. This is my introduction to Michael Sheen. Whenever I see yeah. Michael Sheen. I think of Lucian. Ah, the king of the werewolves. <laughs> there's, there's and a, of the Welsh football team. I'm pretty sure it, 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 I think it's a tweet. I can't find, I've just done some quick Googling, but couldn't find it. But there's, a, I think it's a tweet that's like, Michael Sheen's filmography has everything. <laughs> like, like gay vampire, no uh, werewolf, Tony Blair several times. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Like, yes, true. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he has been, so much football manager, football, football <laughs> manager. Um, yeah, uh, uh, Angel now as well. Yes. Yeah, he's, he's been kind of everything. And and the thing is, he uh, okay, kind of great. We got to be careful here because there is a sequelizer's curse 
where in a, in a week's time oh, he's going to like fucking punch Prince Charles or something and say, "I'm the no, true that, Prince of that, Wales." That would make him me like him it more. Would, I know, I know. We make him, yeah, he would be infinitely uh, better. William is the Prince of Wales, by the way. Yeah, but he's going in order. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's making his way down. I'm coming for your son next, you <laughs> bastard. Um, but no, we, I'm the only true Prince of Wales. <laughs> yeah, you know the old tales, the old code. <laughs> so it's him and Alec, just in the yeah. former synchronizer and proud Welshman, bare-breasted on a beach somewhere. Yeah, um, but basically. He genuinely is one of those sort of Teflon actors where um, he's poisoning salt. No, no. Um, where um, <laughs> he's uh, he can appear in so much stuff and be so good. And even if it's shit, it's like, yeah, but she was fucking yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he is definitely one of those. Even when it's shit, he's still good at it. Actors yeah. that I think we really need in these kind of franchises. Like mm. we said, they bring yeah, that yeah. bit of like, oh, this is watchable now. Thank God. Michael Sheen's back on screen. Yeah. It's not eight minutes of just boring vampire bollocks and nobody can pick an accent. And... Which brings me quite strongly to a... Um... So, at the time, Kate Beckinsale, I believe, was dating Michael Sheen. That was how he got the role. And then... I could be wrong with this, but I think that's kind of correct. And then she married Len Wiseman. Correct. The first yeah. Film. Yes. Um, but the interesting thing to me is Kate Beckinsale is the Underworld franchise. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And yet, as much as I think she genuinely does throw herself into this and really, you know, mm. does a good job effectively, she's, she's mm. doing what she needs to do. She's not in the third one, uh, effectively. You think she is because Rona Mitra looks the same. Yeah. Um, she's like, oh, another posh English girl. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. It's a different person. Um, but. I don't think she likes, well, she doesn't anymore. Doesn't like this franchise. I think she's kind of gotten very tired of it because it's just the same thing over and I over think, and over and has negative memories of it. I think also the fact that... That she's now divorced. Uh, that's one thing. Um, and like, I think it got her slightly pigeonholed as well. Absolutely. Um, I think because she didn't... She was one of those actresses who was, you know getting work and stuff like that but hadn't really kind of broke this was kind of her biggest role well she was in like branner's that was like a very early role for it was her. very early and she then was, she's in yeah she was like 15 or something in that absolutely so she was in the industry and again yeah. and a big a big way in pearl harbor yes it's a bad film but it was a prominent role yeah she was in the aviator so she's appearing in big oh, name she's, stuff. yeah yeah but then ah underworld girl it's like, mm. Mm. yeah uh, and it does, in a way, as much as it is like, oh, let's get some of that Matrix money and stuff. It also yeah. feels like that Catherine Zeta-Jones thing. Oh, the, like the reason Entra Entrapment got made is some Hollywood producer saw Catherine Zeta-Jones and was like, we got to find a way to get her in a cat suit. Absolutely. Um, and it kind of feels like that for Kate Beckinsale. Especially and in Click, where Christopher Walken's like two or three. Well, no, he's got multiple lines, but two of them are like, your wife's got a rocking bod. It's like. <laughs> uh yeah so i think Good point him i think i can imagine that that would wear on her after a while especially if she wants to actually branch out and do some different stuff and yeah you know be taken more seriously as an actor and, and not just be hey you're that sexy vampire in the pvc because one thing i will absolutely give cape <laughs> strange thing to give credit for even though you have no real control over it we mentioned about how these films all look identical uh, part of the reason is because Kate Beckinsale doesn't seem to have aged over the last 20 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. It's like, holy shit. Um, she still, she was in like an Amazon original movie where she's like, it's very like, it looks very atomic blondie. Oh, yeah. Um, and 
I, it, it, I was like seeing a trailer for it, and I was like, wow, she still has not aged, and this was made like a year ago. Yeah, that jolt from jolt. 2021. Yeah, there we go. Fucking hell, yeah. So yeah. again, I think it's interesting because the franchise lives and dies on Kate, Kate Beckinsale, and I think she does genuinely throw herself into the role of yeah. Celine. Yeah. That being said, whenever the conversations comes up, it's always about someone else in that movie. Yeah. You're always about some other actor. Like, yeah. How the fuck is? She's not a scene stealer, is she? Really? She, she's almost like a dependable through line. Mm. She's unlike the, she's the Ron Howard of oh, the Underworld oh. franchise. I mean, maybe. <laughs> that, that, I'm, I'm, yeah. Inoffensive I'm, and consistent. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike bland ass Michael, we'll get to him in a minute. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that I was completely convinced in Wonder Wonder World Awakening that somehow they got Chris Martin from Coldplay, and then I realized it wasn't him at all. <laughs> it was a dude who looks almost similar. Like, oh yeah, you're not him. <laughs> I thought that's a weird casting I, choice. I think it's also funny that this the first Underworld film came out two years after Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Mm, yeah. Because she, it feels like like why didn't we get Kate Beckinsale to to be Lara Croft. That's a re- yeah. That's an interesting. She would have been a an good actually Croft. posh English person. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, it's, Angelina Jolie the, doing her weird. That's star yeah. power, and we got to get this woman in a wetsuit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's again, the, it's the it's the double wielding. Uh, yeah. Two pistols. Guns. And, yeah. 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 Good point. Uh, before we get on to synopses and stuff, because there are four, so we need we got to get, we got to yeah. crack on. <laughs> I was, of course, talking with my wife Emma about this because. Mm-hmm. This is her era of movies as well. You know, I was going to say. Her love of Queen of teen, the Damned. And all teen, goth yeah. Emma yeah. teen goth. Yeah, Emma. Teen goth Emma. Very much so. Oh. Uh, she was pretty convinced she'd seen most of them. Oh, hello. I exposed her very quickly <laughs> that she had not. She, she was like, like, my bet she's seen one and maybe a half. <laughs> uh, my bet was that she thought a different movie was part of this franchise. And I was correct. Oh, Would you wow. like to guess... A, f- a film of the 2000s era that she thought was an underworld movie. When when you hear it, it's going to be like, oh, of course. It's a, it's a fairly obvious one. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dracula 2000. Very close, Tim, but not quite. Mm. Give you I one got, guess, Matthew. I've got nothing, I'm afraid so. 2004's Van Helsing. Oh, well, oh, yes. Yeah, Kate, yeah. Kate Beckinsale is yes. also in that movie. Yes. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I haven't seen the fifth one. And she was like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I'm doing the one from 2012. She's like, yeah, well, they all die at the end. And there's like, Hugh Jackman stands on a cliff and stares up into the sky and like his family's faces are in clouds and stuff. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's not Underworld. She's like, yeah, it is. It ends and his family are like these big like I spiritual mean, in, faces in, in the clouds defense, and stuff. It's a film with Kate Beckinsale, vampires and werewolves. Yeah, it's true. And it's, and it looks aesthetically the same. It's not yes. blue. It's very green. It's green. Yes. <laughs> I would also say though that, and I, I've had these conversations with with uh, Jack's wife. She will tell you she is correct. Oh, she she, <laughs> she is firmly convinced she was correct. It's not the whole until oh, you're I, right. Fuck that, you're wrong. And I played her the clip of the ending of Van Helsing, and she oh, yeah. was like, "See, I told you." And I was like, "That wasn't the question. You've now. T- I wasn't. That's not the ending of Van Helsing. My question was, that's not Underworld. That's a different fucking movie." God, she was like, the ending of Van Helsing is. It's, I, I mean, it's all of terrible. that film is painful. The yeah. film is terrible. The ending is terrible. She was like, yeah, Kate Beckinsale dies at the end. I'm like, no, she doesn't. <laughs> She's an unkillable vampire. Like, no, her, her head floats in the sky and Hugh Jackman cries into the wind. And like, goes, Simba, remember me. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much that. God, yeah. I remember when that man directed The Mummy. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> anyway, let's dive into all the way back to 2003 and Journey 
into the underworld, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. It's the early 2000s, and this series is kind of like Resident Evil plus The Matrix plus Vampires. <laughs> Everyone design. is pale as the driven snow, wearing black leather and constantly brooding. Basically, they're all teenage Matthew Stockton. Hello. Uh, word for word what it says. Oh, I absolutely <laughs> believe that, yeah. <laughs> it's good so far, by the way. During a gunfight with Lycans in a train station, which is literally just a scene from The Matrix, <laughs> Celine, an elite vampire assassin, they sort of name, they're like... Death dealers. Death dealers, that's it. Yeah. It's brought up like twice, and then they kind of just don't talk about it. And it we don't means know something when you say it, but yes. never again. That's we don't know which, which of the vampires are and aren't death dealers because no. they all seem kind of the same. The ones it's outside. The, it's the ones who are go whose job is to go kill yeah. lichens. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. yes. What is it? That the, the, you need to the clarify lichen... the difference because that'll matter in like two movies. The, time. the lichens. When the, whenever lichens turn up, there's a very impro- important franchise thing. If Tim hasn't put it in there, it's subtext. It's there somewhere, in theory. Whenever the vampires are aware that lichens are around, they have to turn around and shout, Lycans! <laughs> yes, they do. And whenever the lichens are aware vampires are around, they have to shout something. I don't know. It's just blood. They, they just grab blood! I'm like, what the fuck is they that? Just, they just start kind of like <sighs> getting their shoulders <sighs> hinged up and going, <sighs> they just start growling at them. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Celine, the elite vampire hunter, as mentioned, played by Kate Beckinsale. Sure. She's the main character. Get used to that. Uh, she discovers that the Lycans are looking for a human named Michael. Riveting stuff. He's like working in a hospital. It's David something. Hasselhoff. It's Michael Knight. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a talking car. <laughs> oh, hello, Tim, Michael. Franchise crossover. <laughs> Knight Rider, like Knight <laughs> with the. Oh, I'm a Death right, Dealer and I'm a Knight Rider. Oh! Death Dealer versus Knight Rider. Sign me up. After she rescues Michael and takes him under her wing, the pair find themselves pursued by another group of Lycans led by Lucian. Is Michael Sheen the effervescent Indeed. Michael Sheen? Mm. Also, Who, when uh, Jack said under a wing, this vampire doesn't have an actual wing. Well, that will come so, up later. And then they yeah. do later on in another movie <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Never gonna get through this. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> Lucian, who was supposed to be dead, according to the current leader of the vampires, Craven. Fuck Craven. Fuck god. Craven. Oh my god. Shane Broly is. I, I I wasn't aware what nationality or what his native accent was. Whatever he's doing in this film, <laughs> it is not anything. I was like, oh, he's Polish then. Oh no, wait. He's it I what what is that <laughs> accent? He's Irish, folks. Yeah, he's yeah. Irish. Irish is the day is long. But I can tell from his floppy hair. His, I, his, I were, his yeah. fucking accent in this film is awful. Sometimes he does like a fast bender in first class. Just by the end of the film, he's just Irish and yeah, just kind of gives yeah. up. He's like, where are the feckin' werewolves? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Loikens. <laughs> Giving him feckin' Loikens. Um, anyway, yeah. Craven, bad bad dude leading the vampires. Yes. And he claims to have killed Lucian by like cutting off a tattoo thing, a brand on his arm. Yeah. Mm. During their escape, Michael is bitten by Lucian, unfortunately. And Celine starts to suspect that Craven is lying and maybe working with the Lycans all along. What? Surely not. <laughs> they return to their coven's insane 2000s goth mansion. <laughs> <laughs> it's just there. No, yep. they don't. We'll get to this later on. Again, I'm going to say this a there's lot. There's no infrastructure. <laughs> there's no. There's no like explanation of why this is here and why no one has noticed it before. And then later on, they're like, the humans are now aware of vampires. And I was like, how the fuck did you not notice them before? They live in these giant castles. Anyway, 
she freaks out and goes and wakes up essentially her vampire dad, Victor, played by the mm. wonderful Bill Nighy, mm. who's not meant to be woken up yet. Prematurely awakens him, who is like the out is out of order of the elders that are awakened for this particular era and all this kind of stuff, in order for them to, as he words it, leapfrog through time, which is not that doesn't make sense. Nope. You you are you're still existing in that time. Yep. You're, you're just, just asleep. asleep for a bit. But yes, Victor is pissed off basically that he is woken up instead of the next person who's supposed to be woken up, which is Marcus. It's the same as the start of Clerks. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's not the, supposed to be here he's today. Not even supposed to yeah. be there today. And someone's jammed gum into his vamp- vampire tubes. Pretty much. I, I mean, that's Underworld. Victor refuses to believe Celine about Craven's betrayal and charges Celine to be arrested. And then nothing happens about that, really. She's like, take her away. She, get, and... she gets like locked in her room. Yeah. Because that will stop a super it's just, strong it's vampire. She's just, just got windows and stuff. It's fine. Yep. Yeah. And he makes the best noise we've ever heard in sequelizers. Oh, part time. <laughs> <laughs> it's up there with part time. His weird <laughs> noise. <laughs> that he, uses, uh-huh. he uses to cut people off as they're He's, talking. Bill Nye. It's the most insane. God bless him. And he they bring him back he is because in full fucking makeup as well. Oh, yeah. He's insane. And he's he's him and Sheen in this film, like they are making up for the charisma vacuum that is Shane Brolly and Scott Speedman. <laughs> like they God. are they like Kate Beckinsale, she's in the center and she's, you know She's doing she's stuff. Fine. She's just she's true doing, north. Carry on. She's doing fine. Sheen and Nye are hefting this film on their shoulders and doing their best to lift it up. And 100%. Brolly and Speedman are just like dangling off, weighing <laughs> it down. This dead weight is killing us. Yeah, very much so. Anyway, while awaiting Craven's ju- judgment, Celine grows closer to Michael. They start having conversations and there's some oh. uh, chemistry-less sexual tension. Yeah. She gradually tells him more about her past, revealing that Victor adopted her and turned her into a vampire after her parents were killed. By lichens. What do we think? Mike- I mean, whenever someone tells you that in a story now, yeah. it's like, this is the origin story. And it's like, yeah, you've framed this yeah. and phrased it in a very specific it way. That I do incredibly yeah. specific way of wording it. Yeah, yeah. Even in the early 2000s, that was a fucking cliche. Another vampire, Erica, walks in, meets Michael by accident, freaks out, and Michael just jumps out of a window and survives because he can do that now. She She jumps onto the ceiling and hisses at him, which, according to Len Wiseman, is like people's favourite part of the film. Yes. <laughs> Fucking... Yeah. Terrible. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's just a bunch of scenes that cut from one to another, essentially. Um, Celine also manages to capture a lichen scientist named Singe, who's a weird, like, Nazi, basically Nazi scientist. He's got, he's got definitely got, like, Mengele yeah, vibes. Yeah, Mengele, really does, really does. deep Mengele vibes going on there. Um, and he basically explains that they're trying to gather Michael and capture Michael for some reason, which we'll explain later on in the movie. Michael soon learns that Lucian was once in love with Victor's daughter, Sonia, and that Victor murdered her after he discovered their forbidden love affair. Guess what? You don't see the prequel now. That's the entire, that's Rise of the Lycans. This scene is basically the like the yeah. last half of Rise of the Lycans condensed into like 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's also just Romeo and Juliet with vampires and werewolves, mm-hmm. which sounds way cooler than it is because it's not that cool. I mean, it's a, it's a definite like elevator pitch. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Of, yeah. Like, oh, it's the Matrix. It's, it's Romeo and Juliet, vampires and werewolves. 
and because it's 2003, kind of looks like the Matrix, basically. Yeah. Like, yeah, here's, yeah, here's, here's $50 million. Yeah. Do what you like. Bag of money. <laughs> uh, Lucian explains that Lycans were once slaves of vampires and the war began when they rose up against them and fought for their freedom. Again, this is the prequel. Yeah. I will repeat myself in two films' time because they do. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at Vampire Mansion, a captive singe reveals that Selim was telling the truth about Craven's betrayal, and he also reveals why the Lycans want Michael. Vampires and Lycans actually have a common ancestor, and Michael is the human heir to that ancestor <sighs> called the Corvinus line. And good job he's called Michael Corvin, <laughs> conveniently. Yeah. This is a thing that uh, happens in so much fiction, and it kind of irritates me and i might have perpetrated it at one point in my own pictures lineage mm. black adam is the worst offender of <laughs> recent years because that spans five thousand years if you have one society with one particular family uh and then you have more time pass if you have two towns and they're say like ten thousand people guess what if that was a couple hundred years ago you have hundreds of thousands of fucking heirs. Yes. If you are 5,000 years in the past, everyone is your fucking heir yeah, by yeah. the sounds of it. At least half the population of the globe. For example, I'm, and I, I bang on about this quite a lot, I'm a descendant of an Irish king. Yes. But to be fair... Blood of kings. Exactly. Blood of kings. But at the same time, if you're from West Ireland... So are you. More than likely, so yeah. are you. Um, it's almost like a guarantee. Like, it's because, you know, most uh, royalty fucks everyone. Yes. Um, quite literally. Um, and so subsequently, there's no such thing. So there's like, oh, there's a line of like, you know, this one human line. So it's not one man. It's not a straight line. Have you yeah. seen your own family tree? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's spooling. Mm. It would be it's crazy. It's called a tree for a reason. Yeah. It's not called a family line. <laughs> yeah. It's not a family <laughs> pole. It's, <laughs> it's an entire sprawling roots and things. Anyway, just want to get off my chest because, uh, but carry on. Onto the science of this nonsense, which I want to hang around for a bit because I fucking hate it. Yeah. He specifically describes it as a virus, which no. it is definitely not. We see the blood things like merge together and stuff. Mm. No viruses in sight. That's not <laughs> how viruses work. That's not a thing. We're, we're in the era of I Am Legend and 28 Days where it's like, it's how do we explain this old vampiric curse? Oh, we'll make it a Bi science. It's very, it's very of yes. the time. I mean, Blade yeah. did it. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's all, it, magic is sort of science, but also, yeah. yes. Yeah. Also, there's a bunch of unexplainable magic. Yes. <laughs> the vampire elder Amelia is on her way to Vampire Mansion and is killed by lichens. She's going to awaken Marcus, the guy who's supposed to be awakened. They're going to have mm. a big celebration for the new elder, basically. Mm. But he's still asleep. Selene breaks into the Lycan's lair to rescue Michael, while Craven turns on Lucian for reasons I still don't fully understand. Because he's a bad guy. Basically, yeah. Yes. He shoots Lucian. Oh, it's scheme o'clock. Pretty much. <laughs> he could just continue working with him, and they probably would have done pretty to well. To be fair, if we assume that this ancient order of uh, fucking... Ouroboros, Ouroboros self-consuming cyclical wankers who are in the shadows pulling all the strings and also complete dicks to each other are in fact the same as Very Tories paranoid. and Republicans. Yeah. Of course they're going to fuck each other over. Of course it's scheme o'clock because eventually you just go, I guess this is what's in my nature to do. <laughs> I guess we're all assholes. So just we're going to have turn to do this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, why did you turn on me? It's like, what, what do you mean? <laughs> because I'm the star scream here. Yeah. <laughs> he is the star scream of this movie. Oh my I think God. that's an insult to star scream, but uh, I guess. Yes, I yeah. agree. Um, 
It'd be so much better if he could turn it into a jet. <laughs> With an Empire's <laughs> werewolves and just one transformer. <laughs> With an Irish accent. He's the descendant of the Optimus line. <laughs> just... <laughs> Turns into a Kaylee drum and goes back into a jet. It's like, what the fuck happened here? She turns into a big shillelagh. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Craven then reveals to Celine that Victor was the one who actually murdered her parents. Shock, twist, and Wait, the origin what? story. I know, right? And Celine bites Michael, believing that his bite will make him immortal so that the werewolf bite and the vampire bite will merge in his human blood and then he will be saved. She doesn't know this is going to work. She just kind of wings it. That's like saying, I've drunk a load of Coke, but don't worry, I'm going to drink a Diet Coke to balance it out. It's like, no, I've drunk what? A bunch, I've drunk a bunch of Coke, now I'm going to drink a Pepsi to balance it That's, out. Yeah, fair. And then you get this weird hybrid... <laughs> a Dr. Pepper comes out of your ass. Pe- 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 Peck? Capsi? No, I don't it's know. like it's a pear. A pear. <laughs> it's like, why or, are you blue? Yeah. Or I've done all this heroin, so now I'm going to take some speed to perk me exactly. up. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. yeah. Turns out it works. <laughs> of course. Turns out, great plan. Yeah. Because when you're on drugs writing the script, you might as well. Yeah. Uh, Victor arrives in a very cool entrance, surrounded by, like, they all have guns for some reason, even though they... The guns do nothing. Yeah. Well, they have... They, they, they talk about they, the silver bullets they make and, a, like, they the ultraviolet bullets yeah, and stuff. Yeah, they make a whole point of the... Uh, they the, the 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 death dealers have silver bullets and they've had them for a while and they, and but the 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 werewolves like will pick pick they can't heal from them until they've like pulled them out yes um but then the the death uh, the 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 lichens now have ultraviolet uh, ultraviolet yeah. bullets based on like tracer bullets that the yes. army have or whatever and those hurt vampires and then they develop uh silver nitrate bullets which yes. is liquid silver that goes straight into the bloodstream yes so the lichens can't get rid of it and it kills yeah. them yeah i'm i'm gonna be really controversial none of that matters by the way Don't they're matter. essentially just shooting people but and I it could find be... it cool yes <laughs> it's a really cool it's idea cool. and but this dumb. is a, this is a theme of this franchise they come up with really cool technology to do with vampires and werewolves and then do absolutely nothing with it. Yep. Mm-hmm. We'll get to a like world-ending weapon at the end. Oh, don't. It just breaks windows. <laughs> anyway, um, Victor arrives and has an incredibly underwhelming fight with the biggest, baddest lichen he can find, which is Ray's, who is yes. the, the writer of this movie. Yes. Really cool transformation. Like Credit to the special effects. We mm. have to say something there, yeah. The transformation is full view, like American Werewolf in London style, yeah. grotesque, like shifting of the teeth and brow Contortion, shaping and yeah. contortions and all this kind of stuff. There's mixtures of blokes in suits, animatronics, mm. all kinds of stuff mm. going on. It is really, really well done. And I think Ray's, because we see him, in, for want of a better phrase, in, like, in full light and yes. in all his glory and all that kind of stuff, a lot of it, especially in the later films we'll get on to, mm. is a, like, oh, it's a bunch of CGI people in shadow, don't worry about and it. Yeah. This is a full-on fight. If Granted, it's in sewers and stuff, but <laughs> it's a full-on like full shot of him fighting Bill Nye with a sword and stuff, mm. and it it works quite well visually and the lichen designs get worse and worse they throughout do. the films and, and less and less wolf-like and more just like oh it's just kind of Big like ads. a lumpy bloke yeah they have this weird logic of and we'll get to it later but the idea of like oh but maybe they're running out of their food supplies so that are like more more skeletal it's like nah look shit mate yeah and, and the thing is so food supply being humans <laughs> the, the, the frustration humans. is that Tw- nearly 20 years on I still maintain a lot of Underworld the first film still looks really fucking good yeah because I mean, yeah. like, mm. again 
it, there's a scene where um, it's because it, I mean it's that mix of practical that, exactly and, and CGI yeah, yeah. and Michael Sheen's walking. I can't remember what it's called. There's a, a, a specific stunt to do a speed running. You can either have you like, on a wire where you do the the twilight, where you just <laughs> run like an idiot and they just mm. carry you on. You a just little, walk in air, yeah. basically. Yeah. Or they have this like basically a carpet dragged behind a car, yes. and you mm. run on the carpet. And yeah. It's like that. Which is what they do for uh, the Avengers movies. Yes, yeah. exactly. So it's the chase in um, Winter Soldier. That's exactly with it. Yes, T'Challa yes. and Captain America, like sprinting after the Winter Soldier yeah. behind those cars and stuff. The fact that they are running alongside those cars, the stunt actors are actually running alongside those yeah. cars because they've got those carpet things that are yeah. pulling them and speeding yeah. up, and they it's, are just it's sprinting crazy. as fast as they very can. Very dangerous, but very cool. And yeah. that's what I'm saying that this is an example of like. A, a, a hybridized and this is the most important bringing this up because it's a hybridization of practical effects visual Ooh, effects hybridization you say Matthew oh don't we'll get um, there in two seconds yeah. but this the film franchise goes we could just CGI it's like maybe don't yeah but anyway do carry on sorry speaking of which Victor arrives he kills Ray's blah 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 blah. he finally admits <laughs> that he does like slow-mo stab and stuff and mm. just seems to be super powerful for Reasons. Well, he's 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 an, he's elder. an elder. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but elders and everything else just get old. Yeah. Why do they always get more powerful in in, in fantasy? Carry Vampires on. just get Vampire. more powerful. Uh, he finally admits to Celine about killing her parents, and talks about killing his daughter. The aforementioned flashback with the lichens and stuff, and said it was for the good of his people because Sonia was pregnant with Lucian's child. There was going to be a vampire werewolf hybridy thing going on. Fuck, it's the story from Rise of the Lycans again. <laughs> oh my god, it's Rise of the Lycans. Leave nothing unturned. Exactly. Victor and a newly transformed hybrid Michael that looks a bit looks ass. Yeah. It, it, I don't mind it. I don't, I don't hate it. I, I, it's I, very slimy. Let me clarify. When I say it looks ass, I mean of the potential of what you could have done with a wolf vampire hybrid yeah that's what you end up with it's like i think of of some of the weird makeup later on yeah of some of the weird makeup looks in this franchise it's a better one i like the kind of like the ashen skin and the dark Mm. eyes i think that that works fine enough um yeah it is a little bit unimaginative um but also, let's be honest with them. As much as I'm saying it's ass, not, and again, that maybe that's me going. You could have done so much, but let's be honest with these franchises. Usually, when you go too big, you go, oh, I fuck this. Which yeah, they do. So, so to be fair, fair play. I'll we get on. some bold choices of uh, variations yeah. of lichens mm. and vampires later on. Anyway, um, Michael transforms and fights Victor, but Victor still holds his own because he's a super powerful elder vampire. Until Celine cuts his head in half like that bit in Resident Evil. Where he turns around and goes, oh no, I've been cut in half. And then his head slides off. Like like the laser grid in uh, Resident Evil. It yeah. was the 2000s. Everybody did that. Oh no, I've been hit. Yes. Uh, it was, it was very graphically done as well. The, the Wile Coyote, and you don't fall until you look down the cliff yeah. and then you fall yes. kind of thing. And uh, yeah, they cut Victor's head off, killing the, elder va- the living elder vampire. Mm. Now enemies of both vampires and lichens, Celine and Michael flee together. Could have left it there. Basically there. Back at Vampire Mansion. <laughs> no. <laughs> Meanwhile, at Vampire Mansion, Marcus slowly awakens as the previously killed Singe's blood seeps into his underground coffin, setting up Marcus as the elder vampire for the second. That movie. one is a little puppet because they didn't know who they were going to cast at that point. <laughs> it's just this weird, like craggy face but a very extreme close-up of some eyeballs upside down opening up yeah uh underworld it's fine yeah it's fine 
Could have left it there. Yep. Underworld Evolution oh, 2006. Hello. 700 or ish years ago, like the 1200s or something, an army led by three vampire elders. What? The aforementioned Victor, Marcus, and Amelia. Aren't they all asleep? No, Matthew. They're awake at the same time. This is how? This is explaining the whole sleepy time thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They arrive at a village full of werewolves and capture their target, William Corvinus. Ah, the first and most powerful werewolf, and also Marcus's brother for some reason. (laughs) Isn't it? Well, they do. They set it up in the first one, which was the quote that I did. Of yes, yes, uh, was dumb. It's that there was essentially there was like an immortal, and he had three sons. And one became a vampire, one became a werewolf, and the one other was one bit, stayed bitten human. by a bat, clawed yeah. by a wolf, and also a, also a human. Yeah. yeah, this is what I have a problem with: is the whole again, it's it's a shitty riddle. It's like one immortal man had three sons. Okay, sure. One was bitten by a, a, a bat. That's really odd and unfortunate. That's yeah. <laughs> how, what's the chance of that? Yeah. Well, hang on. Um, <laughs> one was also clawed by a dog. Wait, where were they? How is this? What, what about the other one? Nothing much, he's right. She's fine. He was just a bin man. It's like, oh, <laughs> that's a bit of a disservice. Um, but um, it is a strange thing where it's like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. Like, sure. I would say William, uh, the big white wolf. Yes. The best looking wolfy yeah. thing. Yeah, it's a cool design. As, yeah. And actually to set him apart from the other wolves, wolves-like and things. Oh, we'll, we'll yeah. Get, we'll get to that with I some vampires later on. Yeah, do carry on. Uh, Obviously, with it being his brother, Marcus is defiant, but Victor overrules him and orders that William be imprisoned forever. And the army's all loyal to him. Forever imprisonment stuff. Back in the present day, Marcus awakens. So we're now picking up where the first film left Mm. off. Mm -hmm. Although, not geographically. Correct. (laughs) Because the first film is very definitely in America. Yep. Second one, very definitely in in Eastern Europe. Europe. (laughs) Someone was trying to save some money. Oh dear. Marcus awakens in Eastern Europe with the same vampire mansion for yep. some reason <laughs> and kills Craven. Good. See you later. Yes. Yep. Killed no in like problem with that. five seconds. Yeah. As a film that's not a trilogy, it's just two. Good. Yeah. Then, <laughs> it's again, jumping scenes. Another guy who we will learn is called Alexander sends in a team of cleaners to investigate the aftermath from the battle of the Lycan's Lair at the end of the last film. So there's obviously these people who are cleaning up after the werewolf vampire stuff, and we will learn This is how you get around the whole, hey, why does nobody know about vampires and werewolves fighting Mm -hmm. all the time? It's like, well... Exactly. He's going by the name Lorenz Macaro at the moment for some reason. Fucking yeah, I haven't no, that that whole <laughs> why. <laughs> no, none of the other ones use any like weird fake names or anything. Yeah, but he does because he's cool. Because he's Derek fucking Jacobi. Derek fucking Jacobi. Exactly. Uh, uh, here's the thing: there is no logical reason for him to have an alias except for the audience to go. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. that's the only reason. Yes, Lorenz. Again, we'll reveal. Call him Lawrence. La- <laughs> fucking Lawrence. Uh, examines Victor's corpse and find a pendant. Uh, finds a pendant originally worn by Sonia. Has it got to do with anything? They tease a bit of the pendant in Lucian's thing in the first one, but they don't really address it ever again. Celine reads about it in a book, but never actually said anything about. It. Anyway, yeah. um, it's like uh, Brendan Fraser's tattoo in the Mummy. 
Very much so. It moves and suddenly means something even though it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And they also we also find out as the audience that Michael now has the other half of the pendant after Lucian died. Ta-da. Meanwhile, get used to that. Yeah. Celine takes Michael to a safe, ha- safe house, but basically instantly Marcus is able to track them down because he's super vampire. They manage to escape. There is a lot of he tracks them down, they escape, he tracks them down, they escape. And later that night, Celine recalls seeing the pendant as a child but can't work out why. Speaking of bad Yay. designs, Marcus and his weird, weird wing things. Weird wing spike, spike spiky wing things. Yeah. I do not like. Instant kill mode on the fucking Spider-Man suit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah. They they put poor Tony Curran under a lot of makeup. Yep. And it yeah. does not look good. And Victor like Victor looked like an old craggy corpse when he woke up, but he just ended up being Bill Nye. Bill Nye. With some... I suppose <laughs> Marcus is like the original vampire. It's the whole yeah, William-looking different thing, but it's still, yeah. it's still it's bullshit. Still, yeah, but he does look like a weird, like a sphinx cat kind of like hairless, yes. weird. Yeah, somebody's slimy. taking like a bat nose and said too late to a face. Alien it... hybrid from Resurrection. <laughs> yeah, and it's the thing of like they don't. None of the others have anything. Bat related. <laughs> That's a very good point. Too. Apart apart from they don't they do like, like leather. Yeah, <laughs> they don't do like what we do in the shadows. They're like bat, and then psh, yeah, and just turn to a bat. And yeah, they have no, they have none of lamps the... and stuff. I would love a what we do in the shadows underworld crossover. <laughs> Tim, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm off. Bat. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of just Matt Berry is just lurking in the background of a shot in underworld. I used to be a just death dealer. It's bullshit. <laughs> you get a long coat, couple of guns. Fuck it. <laughs> Accidentally killed a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the last descendant of Alexander Corvinus. <laughs> You'd call it like Corvinus. <laughs> I don't care. Your name's Mike to me. <laughs> anyway. uh, where are we? Oh, they managed to escape it later that night. Yep, find out about the pendant and stuff. They try and understand, but fail, why Marcus wants it and set out to find an exiled vampire historian called Andreas Tanis, who was one of the options in our outtakes quiz for some reason. <laughs> yep. Even though he's a tertiary character at best. In a sequel. <laughs> Tannis reveals that Marcus was the first vampire and one of the three sons of Corvinus, what we've just been oh talking God. about. The first immortal. Marcus was bitten by a bat and metamorphosized into a vampire type thing, while William was bitten by a wolf and became a werewolfy type thing. And the third son remained human and basically gave rise to the line of humans that ends with Michael Corvin, who we now know is the hybrid dude from the first film. Mm-hmm. Due to William's destructiveness, Marcus approached Victor, then a dying mortal warlord, and offered to turn him and his army... He basically built an army of vampires back in the day, and that's where Victor comes from, in exchange for tracking down and stopping William. Yes. This is explaining the beginning of the movie, basically. Mm -hmm. As if we haven't already seen that bit of the movie. I don't know why they need to explain everything twice. Get ready for that in the prequel. They think it's a reveal. Yes. Everything they think is a reveal... We already know. And will happen again in the prequel because <laughs> we've already had that in the f- fucking hell. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of exposition in these movies. Anyway, Tannis further, rev- further reveals that Celine's father was the architect who built William's prison, and I fucking hate this. This is Darth Vader built C3PO shit right yeah. here. I fucking yeah. hate And that the pendant is the key for that prison, so that's why she saw it as a child because her father was working on the thing and blah, blah, no. blah. It. it- undermines the thing of the first film 
because it gives Victor a reason to have killed her family, which is to keep the location of William secret. Whereas before, it's just like, no, because they, they don't really go into it, but none of these vampires drink human blood from humans. Yeah. Weirdly they, chased film. They all just, they just get... A, Have an, an unless, occasional red liquid in a glass somewhere. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Unless, unless they are doing something where they're like f- feeding someone deliberately or like when she bites Michael and that yes. kind of stuff. But but for the most part, these vampires do not bite people. No, it's mostly a healing and device. Like, yeah, yeah. eat and this. And it's it, like and, fucking Twilight. And it's sort <laughs> of like they've, oh, we've evolved beyond that. Yeah. And so the idea of like, oh no, Victor used to like... Back in the olden days, vampires used to be bloodthirsty motherfuckers. And so, he, he was, so he was just like, yeah, I'm going to kill this family. I'm hungry. Like, yes. But yes. then this kid reminds me of my daughter. He has a brief moment of humanity. Exactly. Blah, blah, blah. No, none of that. No. We planned it all along. Yeah. Darth Vader built C-3PO. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, it, I, I feel it can work. It just doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of drinking blood... Celine and Michael leave, and then Marcus, again, he's just constantly following through this movie, arrives and drink Tannis' blood. That's right, because you can use it to read people's minds and memories, which they do do in the first one. Yes. Yeah. But then don't really talk about, and then this a, happens an, again. It's an elder thing. Yes. It, it's the classic, we need to have these unique abilities. Yes. What abilities? I don't know, fucking yeah. leaping higher. Because it's relevant <laughs> in the first one, because it's Celine's blood that wakens Victor. And she had a conversation with herself in a mirror so that he would see that in her memories from the blood that awoken him. Yeah. And the same thing happens, presumably, the fact that Marcus is awoken by Singe's blood and he's the crazy lichen Nazi scientist. So he's woken with Nazi scientist memories, I guess, even though they never address that. Vampires could never keep secrets if this was how (laughs) it worked. It's like the animus idea in the Assassin's Creed game. Yeah. well, you get to retread your entire ancestors' memories. Really? Well, up until a point. What point? Well, you know, when your dad... Until it, until it would be uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> until your dad impregnates your mum. Your it's like, why? Well, then we don't have the DNA anymore. It's like, oh, oh okay, fine. Um, but it is this strange idea, like, but so I have access to all the memories. Yes. You so know, there's we, no you know, secrets. And I, I get it, because like Victor does it when he's awakening and stuff, obviously, so it's very jumbled and all that kind of stuff. Now Marx is doing it, he is basically perfect because I guess Precisely. he's the most powerful the, vampire, yes. blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. They don't explain any of this. Not that they need to. There's too much explanation in this movie <laughs> anyway. Fair, yeah. But just wait. The powers of various vampires oh, don't get, get yeah. very wishy washy and not explained at all. And then walk back very quickly. Very much so. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile. Yeah. Meanwhile, Celine and Michael visit Makaro the aforementioned Lorenz, played by Derek Jacobi, who refuses to assist Celine in killing his sons because he is Alexander Corvinus, everybody. Oh. oh. No. Who would have thought, who would have saw that coming? Literally everyone. <sighs> no. Marcus <laughs> follows them still again, finds them very easily again still, mm. fights Michael and impales him. Oh no. Wink. Yep. He he learns the location of William's prison by drinking Celine's blood. Yeah. No vampire secrets. No, no. <laughs> Mortally wounds his father, attacks Makaro slash Alexander, and obtains the other half of the pendant finally. Well, he's immortal. 
They have all immortal now. <laughs> immortal, but not there's, invulnerable. There's immortal, double immortal, and like triple immortal. The, the problem with immortal is no one explains what immortal means. It means you don't get sick and you don't de- decay because Derek Jacobi looks old as balls. <laughs> but, or is it just that you, uh, but if you walk in front of a bus, you still die? I'm like, I, uh, carry on. Yeah. The film doesn't need to have an answer because it doesn't actually matter. Mm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's also the thing of like, if you live. 3,000 years or whatever, at some point you're going to fall down a hole and no one's going to know where you are. Yeah. Oh yeah, you get And then stuck. you're fucked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trapped under a rock and then, then a mountain grows over you. Yeah. 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 Like 127 hours style and you don't, you don't have the pen knife to cut off your arm or whatever. Is James Franco immortal? I hope Let's not. hope not. <laughs> <laughs> He's a rogan, isn't he? <laughs> I believe. That he is indeed a rogan. <laughs> anyway... Marcus intends, along with his brother William, to rule the world as a basically master race, yes, more Nazi symmetry and stuff, of vampire lichen hybrids. On Makaro's bidding, as he's like dying and stuff, he asks Celine to drink his blood, and fiddly dee, whoop de doo, she gets all the super massive elder powers and stuff. Uh, she gets healing abilities, she gets super strength. She gets super senses and is basically as powerful as Michael the hybrid mm. now, sort of. Quick On top of the super vampire strength she already had. Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Quick caveat. And this is important because Tim's absolutely right there. There are still three more movies to go. Not that we need to discuss three, but we need to get through the other two. So I don't want to digress too much. But as Tim mentioned, she's already got a fuck ton of powers. She's, a, she's one of the most deadly vampires in the world. Yeah. How is the film going to show these new powers? It ain't. Yeah, How are the new ones going to show it and remind yourself that they're a thing? It ain't. They don't. It's not a thing. It don't matter. No. But they make a big deal of it for about 15 seconds. Yeah. It's like having a fucking... The film... A you film united version the bloodlines. Of putting an adrenaline charge in your yes. leg and you're... Yeah. Oh! Ah! Yeah. It's like, that's, that's sure, I guess. Pretty much. Afterwards, after they leave, thankfully... Corvinus blows up his ship, killing himself, because he's not immortal, apparently. Well, well, well. (laughs) They do, however, steal his helicopter. Well, well. (laughs) Because vampires need helicopters now. And know how to drive them. And yeah, they know how to pilot fly. (laughs) Yeah. And they head to the prison to stop Marcus and William. A battle ensues. Of course it does. It's a bunch of CGI fighting, basically. And Michael presumed dead, awakens and joins the fight. So he's back after being stabbed earlier. Oh, hi, Scott. Convenience. Um, and he kills William by just ripping his fucking head off. It's, yeah, it's yeah. mad. They go from, like, not that bloody and, like we said, kind of like, yeah, they don't drink blood from humans and stuff. Mm. Like, oh, he tore his fucking head off. It's okay. 18 this time around, go full hog. Yeah. yeah. Also, a lot more male gazy. There's like a pretty explicit sex scene. There yeah, is. I've skipped, I've skipped over. Which I must admit, I'm okay with. <laughs> um, but mostly because vampires have always been about they're inc- sex. They're incredibly sexual I think creatures. The, the problem is, just, is that it's... It's Michael Bay style It's sexual. lurid. It's, it's lurid. The rest of the time, it feels weirdly sexless. Yes. That's true. Um, I should point out, as I very famously... It's famously... Infamously. Infamous. That I hate sex scenes in films because <laughs> I find them boring and pointless because you're always trying to show anything other than the sex mm. because you're like, oh, we can't show that. That's pornography. It's like, mm. 
well, why are we here? Yeah. What are you trying <laughs> to show me here? We're bits, we're like, we can't show the murder. Don't do it's like, porn. Yeah, so it's like if you're going to do something. So, for example, when it doesn't feel real, mm. and I'm not like, you know, so it just takes me it takes me out of the film. It's like, I can tell this is like someone isn't falling off a cliff. This is a fake scene. Yeah, mm. it's like yeah. CGI. Point is, um, yeah, the gore, the sex, it makes sense for a vampire film, but mm. it feels out of place here because yep. it's not been established. Yeah, yeah. I get it, I get it. The newly powered up Celine now battles Marcus and kills him by stabbing him with his wing spike thing that he has for some reason, as we talked about earlier, yeah. in the face, and then just like kicking him into some helicopter blades. Yeah. yeah. It's mental. Yeah. They have essentially not much violence for about 90 minutes. And in the last 10 minutes, a dude's head is ripped off and a guy is chopped up by helicopter blades within a minute of each other, yeah. basically. And you see, like, the Enough. whole thing. Yeah. You yeah. Do, like, it's not yeah. like, oh, cut away. And, and they do all do the like comedic, like, ooh, oh, that was yeah. nasty. No, it's full on <laughs> yeah. blending of a dude. AVP at times. Like, we're going to show you some of the most traumatizing images. Like, really? Yeah. I, well, you know, in that awful impregnation shit. Ugh. But it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like a, we're going to cut away from this and they imply it. No, no, no. <laughs> we're going to show you everything. Yeah. We, got, we got that R rating. We're going to use it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We just didn't know we were going to have it for the first 90 minutes of the film. <laughs> That's the end of the film, everybody. Oh, it, 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 and then she realizes the she's a daywalker. Yes. Ta-da! Job done. No Job more. Done. No more movies needed. Yeah. And that's what I remember. Killed the all the elder thinking, vampires. This is another cliffhanger. This is the end. Yeah. They oh. they literally walk off into the sunset together. They've killed all the bad elder vampires. Some of the bad werewolves are dead. I guess they can be together. Job done. Two thousand and nine's Rise of the Lycans. Oh. Yes, we're taking that clip from the first movie and making <laughs> it instead of ninety seconds, ninety-five minutes. Turns out Michael Sheen's really good. Shouldn't have killed him off. Mm. Yep. Although he often weirdly looks like Simon Pegg in this film. Doesn't he just? Ooh, good I point. had the exact same That's thought. Interesting. Is it the chin? I feel like the chin. it's the mm. it's the facial hair. Yeah. It's the hairline. It's the chin. A lot of it, basically. Yeah. It's a British bloke in his 40s? Yeah, sure. Ish. 2009's Rise of the Lycans. It's time for a prequel, everybody. Yay. Hey. Lucian yeah. is the first werewolf. Born, capable of taking on human form and being called a lycan. He's out. not just a mindless wolf he's who kills a, people. He's also a chosen one, sort of, because we need oh. more of that. Mm. Uh, he built C-3PO <laughs> That's pretty much it, yeah Victor raises Lucian envisioning, envisioning a race of lycan slaves Guarding the coven's fortress during the day And working for the vampires at night This is the entire theme of this movie I don't dislike this I, I really like this the idea The world building's good Yeah, And also yeah. that Lucian is already a thing of like myth and legend In the start of the first film like, He's dead mm. He's like, ooh, this special amazing wolf boy And then Oh, he is a special <laughs> Quite literally. Yeah. The countryside is filled with like basically rabid werewolves mm. that are not lichens that we know that can transform they have, back and forth. They have no humanity left. They're they just... are full on wolf boys. Yeah. 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 I don't know how that entire medieval wolf countryside box. is even a thing, though. Yeah. Because that many wolves in America. I, I f- <laughs> <laughs> in in nondescript the past <laughs> yes land <laughs> in the 1200s of somewhere, somewhere i guess europe yeah um have a bunch of human nobles go to victor begging for protection against the beasts because yeah they're rampaging across the countryside basically sure uh as lucian grows up he and victor's daughter sonia 
which, uh, as we learned from the quizzes and the outtakes, has some <laughs> similarities with my fellow sequelizers. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, and in that you all fall in love with Michael Sheen. Um, True. They fall in love and begin a, oh, look at this, a Romeo and Juliet vampire <laughs> and werewolf story. Again. This film also has an 18 rating. This one likes to lean into it as well. Yeah. Doesn't it just? How, how passionate is that? Uh, is that uh, is that uh, affair the got? Oh my god! <laughs> up against the wall. He's quite wolfy, isn't he? Oh, of course, she loves it. Oh, she's all creamy smooth. Like, what the fuck is this? Anyway, yes. <laughs> they tried to escape, and because they realised what Victor would do to them because of their love, get involved. <laughs> and uh, Lucian basically sacrifices himself to make sure Sonia escapes and stays behind. Despite acknowledging Lucian rescued his daughter, Victor cannot forgive him. And has Lucian whipped and imprisoned. Ooh, I mean, there is a, a very, very, stuff. very, very uncomfortably clear parallel to this is a plantation owner. Yes. Like, yeah. Oh. This is, they're, they're leaning yeah. into the slavery messaging of this. Yes. Ignoring the fact that basically everyone's white, apart from Ray's, but yeah. yeah. At, at least he's Welsh, I suppose. And the English, <laughs> were, English were terrible to the Welsh. The, for hundreds it, it, of years. The English continue to be terrible well. But that's also true. Uh, see earlier in this podcast where I did a terrible impression of person <laughs> and made up a word like an arsehole invalidating the language. Do carry on. By trading her seat on the Vampire Council, because that's a thing you can just do apparently, Sonia mm-hmm. enlists the help of the aforementioned historian who we met in the last film, Tannis. He's back again. Lucian, unable to flee alone, liberates some of the other Lycan slaves because he can, like, vampire uprising get the Lycans to fight the vampire mm. overlord type things. We know Michael Sheen can give a speech. Pretty much. Um, Sonia prepares to leave as well, and Victor asks if she assisted with Lucian's escape. She lies, but Victor reads her memories through her blood. Again, they no love vampire that. secrets. They love that fucking exposition. <laughs> and imprisons her. Lucian then goes around recruiting both humans and werewolves to build an army against the vampires. What a cool sentence that is. That should work. Mm. <laughs> Sounds cool in principle. Again, this film isn't terrible. Just you wait till we get to Awakening. <laughs> While the other vampires start freaking out about a slavery uprising, Victor is confident Lucian will return for Sonya. Thinks like, ah, he's not going to kill us all. I've got his wife, girlfriend thing. Who's awesome Lover. Lover. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lucian learns about... <laughs> <laughs> Lucian learns about Sonia's imprisonment and tries to rescue her retelling what we learned from Victor in the mm. first film again Sonia reveals that she is pregnant with Lucian's child oh. they act like it's a, I know they can't like just expect that everyone has seen the other movies or paid attention or paid attention but fucking hell is this on the nose a bit and just being like, but I'm pregnant with Lucian's <laughs> child. Like, well, Ronimitra yeah, was we also know. an odd choice. No discredit to Ronimitra, but she isn't known for being in... She recorded an album <clears throat> as Lara Croft. Well, yeah. she, she had a career after this affair. But when was Doomsday? Was that... This that was, was about the same time. Oh, just just Maybe before. I don't know. Yeah. Around around about. She, around and, the same time. And she also... It makes sense in the casting because the whole point is that when she's supposed to look like she's supposed young she's supposed Celine's to, supposed to look like young Sonia, right? yeah. yeah. And Rona Mitra does look like Poundland and Kate Beckinsale <laughs> to the point that again I cannot stress this enough. I keep forgetting that Kate, Kate Beckinsale Beck- is not in yes. this yes. movie technically, but it but it also 
makes it hilarious because it seems like, oh, we couldn't get Kate Beckinsale for this one. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah. And if you're not paying attention, and I assume plenty of people are not, you'd be <laughs> like, wait, what? Yeah. Why is, is that Kate Beckinsale? And it does, and it feels almost deliberate because it's like they're trying to get away with going like, hey, there was this English, uh, dark-haired English woman with a posh accent who was a vampire and she was in love with a werewolfy type guy. And yeah. and she was the daughter of Bill Nye's character. Yes. And also she was the daughter of Bill Nye's character. so it's character. the first yeah. film again. It's like, yes. But the <laughs> thing is, well, when you're watching these, when they were released, you oh, okay, Beckett's, I must have had enough with the franchise and whatnot. Mm. It's like, no, greenlit at the same time. Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, this was always meant to be this way. Yep. Yes. This was yeah. always the what? Green Greenlit before the film had even come out based purely on pre- sales in canada correct one, so one of the executives for like is it like Lionsgate or mm-hmm. screen gems well, or someone yeah, yeah. was like oh okay this is doing pre- this, this is doing pretty well on the advanced booking two more, two more please in canada uh, yeah. anyway. she reveals she's pregnant with lucian's child she is sentenced to death by the vampire council and we see that scene again the executed via sunlight thing at a stake with lucian going no and michael sheen yeah. acting is fucking he gets acting his little heart he's he's whipped as he's watching there's a hilarious bit i think it's in this whipping period <laughs> I can't remember. It's a hilarious period of whipping. A, a that be the, of whipping. Is that the subtitle for your sequel? Tim? Yes. Underworld, a hilarious period of whipping. Um, <laughs> whipping period. Hilarious whipping period. Yep. Um, there's a bit where they're that like it's it's like the assembled vampires are like watching yep. uh, Lucian get whipped, and there's there's like all of the male vampires in this kind of like medieval robes and like armor <laughs> oh, and stuff oh, and then yeah. all the female ones who look like they've just wandered off of a creed video <laughs> like it's literally like crop tops and stuff like that and yeah. it's like this yeah. is meant to be like the 1200s yeah yeah, yeah. Like, I know they have an aesthetic in the modern day, but you need to adapt <laughs> no, no, no. to that. That's where the... it comes from. Yeah. yeah. They were the goths of the 1500s. I, I would like it more, from like, like dirty peasants. And it's just yeah. like with these little um, sort of uh, flat leather cloths on the head, like, oh, someone uh, on the car or, or the crew, so did maybe too much research. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it should look like. Yeah. A heartbroken Lucian goes a full lichen. But his attempt to escape the fortress is thwarted. But he's eventually able to control the wild werewolves with oh. his super lichen powers. King of the Ooh! He's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't vote for him. <laughs> I'm being oppressed. <laughs> they are being oppressed, people. Like ads. Uh the werewolves, as I said, now summoned by Lucian's upsetness. Like some Beacon of emotion, essentially. Wolves together, sad. (laughs) (laughs) Ain't that the truth? Uh, They storm storm the castle and attack and kill a lot of vampires. Victor tries to escape, but Lucian traps him with a sword and beams of sunlight. He like impales him and then beams of sunlight all around so he can't escape and stuff. Yes. Here's the question. Oh, hello. With the whole sunlight thing. Oh, God. We see it a couple of different times, and we'll get to that later on in the next film as well. How quickly does it kill them? Okay, because, because, okay. however, <laughs> it needs to con- it con- conveniently. Because, um, bless her, old Sonia, 
he's in sunlight and she goes oh ow ooh ah uh, uh. and then her face starts to like blister and melt and explode and stuff yes he's trapped with the beams of sunlight here by Lucian yes. couldn't he just get a bit of a burn and then move on a bit so okay every and I cannot stress this enough every single vampire thing doesn't understand the sun correct um for some people, I mean, literally, we're recording this during daylight hours. I'm in direct sunlight right now. And exactly. Jack has a, a beam of light, effectively, uh, sort of playfully dancing across his face. Bisecting him, essentially. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, I uh, do not appear to have anything in need of this, Tim. That yep. being said, there's still sunlight in this room. There's yeah. a fuck ton of it. You've, that's got how white, I can... you've got a white ceiling that is reflecting sunlight around. It's bouncing all over the place. And yeah. also... That's how I can see you people. Yes, yeah. the lights are on as well, yeah. but at the same time, that's how, because we live in Britain, but that's how I can actually see you because mm. the light's pouring in. But it's like, no, no, this crepuscular ray is what the light mm. is like. That's not light. That and it actually make any it's sense. Especially when, it, when you go on that hard science route of like, oh, it's a virus. Oh, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Then it becomes especially bullshit because you can, you can kind of get away if it's like a mystical thing. Then you kind of go like, oh no, it's direct sunlight because that's yeah, it's the the metaphor of it or whatever. Yeah, you know. But this, it's like, well, it's UV radiation, so we should all be on fire now. <laughs> yeah, it's it very much so, and it's, it gets into the Trump era of like, can we inject sunlight inside people? Like, what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and so, it sometimes it's a fire whereby we get some horse dewormer in these vampires. Vampires weak to whatever Under, underworld horse dewormer. Um, <laughs> Uh, like at horses, <laughs> I just summon the centaurs. Yeah, they they these bullets with like uh, liquid silver and some bullets with worms in it. It's like, oh no, my shit's covered in worms. But the voice is sometimes the sun is like we are a really fire back in the medieval times. The, after all, it's true. Sometimes you get close enough, it's like this is hot and it burns. But you're right, you can run through it. Or it's a laser where it's the Resident Evil thing. If you go through that, you're getting lacerated. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking nonsense and incredibly inconsistent. But to draw a line under that tim is absolutely correct it's wherever the film needs it to be yes yeah it's very much so uh where where was <laughs> <laughs> swords and sunlight yeah. with the battle now over ray is he's back he's, he's popped up a couple of times declares victory for the lichens but lucian knows this is only the beginning because this is a prequel and that's how that works yeah we know where it's going yeah and this will become a war of the races that is literally what he said. <laughs> now, here's, here's the thing. I mean, it's better than the first Fast and the Furious film where they have a, a racing event that's literally called Race Wars. <laughs> 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 Fucking hell. It's all about family, is it? Yeah, bloodlines. Okay. <laughs> okay, Finn, you've gone a bit on the weird edge With there. the lead star of racially ambiguous Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's the thing. These three movies, as much we've... I've still Shoot. not finished, by the way. Oh, shit. Okay. Sorry. I thought there was more. No. I was going to say, there is you... more. Oh, you carry on, then I'll do my little okay. bit. Anyway, <laughs> on, a sh on a ship, I forgot there's more. Victor is revealed to have survived, so he could escape the whole time. He just escapes and is a bit wounded. I mean, and just stuff. someone came along with some plaster later yeah. and just like did up yeah, the yeah. holes. Just a bit of cardboard over the top of him. So yeah. it's and this is where he's sealed away in his elder hibernation chamber thing. Leapfrogging. By Tannis, the historian thing, which allows him to, yes, Matthew, leapfrog through time. <laughs> then we get the first scene from Underworld again for some reason. Just drawing Kate Beckinsale's in it. Yeah. Hey, look, it's not, not the woman that's been in this film the whole time. <laughs> it's the other one, the one you might recognize. And then we get a voiceover by Craven 
for some reason. Sure. As if he's been in this movie and people have any idea who he is. I have a theory that if you're all friends and you know if you're in this movie, you get a residual check at the end of the day. Right? <laughs> and Chuck him in there. Yeah. He then explains for the fourth or fifth time in this franchise, in three <laughs> movies, that it was actually Victor who killed Celine's family. <laughs> we know, mm. not the Lycans. And Craven adds that Victor spared Celine's life because she reminded him of his executed daughter, Sonia, which we have talked about extensively because they talk about extensively. Yes. She then replies with, that's all lies and doesn't believe him, which leads into the first film. Yes. Why is half of this film half of the first <laughs> film? I will never understand. So again, so, like I said, I think it's full of interesting ideas. Yeah. Of the three of them, I think this is one of the boldest like takes and going very yeah. clearly down the like plantation owner route and going yeah, down the yeah. using it as a message of slavery and all this kind of stuff and a pretty heavy handed. It's like not subtle about it. Oh no, 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 no. And Someone then sort of roots and thought, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but roots <laughs> with werewolves again. It's Romeo and Juliet, vampires and werewolves. Yeah. Roots put werewolves, mm. and it does some interesting stuff. There's some good performances, like we said. Michael Sheen actually gets more than like three or four scenes here so mm. he's actually able to they realize stuff. the asset that he is yes but there's so much just extra crap that is either reliant on you already knowing the films or them over explaining stuff we've already seen in the other films and they never hit that nice goldilocks zone in the middle there where yeah. it works as a standalone film but also works as part of the larger narrative like mm. we've explained the larger narrative and also not explained a bunch of stuff, so you don't have the context for that. So it doesn't work as standalone, and it also doesn't really make sense as part of the large narrative, because mm. it just retreads a bunch of stuff we've already done as well. I would be intrigued to know what the DVD sales on this were like, mm -mm. because I have a feeling that they probably... I, I, I reckon this is one of those ones that a lot of people had, like especially the first have film. It on DVD somewhere. Um, and they kind of looked at those numbers and were like, yeah, people want something that ties in heavily. Mm. Um, it's, it's trying to do best, best of both worlds. It's trying to yeah. have something that is literally tying in, as you say, Tim, uh, with what there is. But also, we could probably get some new people in this because it's such a shift and a departure from what has already been. Yeah. Um, some new people slash some people from the first one we killed off too soon. Yes. Absolutely. And, and it's... And this is the key thing here because it feels like... Let's fix it, right? Let's fix this prequel, or let's fix the sequel. We can we can make this work. No, there's still a lot more to talk about. We're not even fucking there yet. There people. are two more films. I'm only gonna do one. Yeah, fucking. We're, we're not that. talking about Blood Wars. We do not have time to talk about no. fucking Blood Wars. <laughs> it's, about Awakening. it's the worst. Yes, absolutely. The dirt worst. But, but let's get into Awakening. But just before you do, be able to say okay. that, that just very quickly. This is why this feels like a trilogy. Yeah. yeah. It feels, yeah. there's a lot of, in, like, Tannis and things like that, it all feels like it's kind of... It loops it all back in. Yeah. And you, you end the third film where you started with the first film and... Absolutely. They literally walk off into as the sunset together. As and... the repetition and the treading on ground mm. is, you still feel like these things are interwoven and they're part of the same thing, which is why in my head, which is, I know, I, I know it's logically wrong, but I still separate it, which is why in my head, oh yeah, Underworld Awakening took place, like, that's fucking like, 10 years after the franchise it feels stopped, like right? it is. because as Jack will now plow into, you've closed off all the loops. Everything is done. Mm. You're done with the evolution, kind of. It's like, oh yeah, and, you know, I guess Michael and Celine just have a great life. Just and shit. you wait. Folks. And you know, uh, we know about the, the previous stuff. 
So there's no more things. There's no more elder thingies. All the families are tied up. All the old, you know, the, everything that you've, it's, it's the classic Star Wars problem. When you close off all those loops and everything is, everyone's a fucking Palpatine or whatever. Mm. Then you, <laughs> everyone's a Palpatine. You're not, again, we talk about lineage and stuff. Yeah. Everyone's a fucking Palpatine. Everyone's like Palpatine. That. Somehow. Um, Especially Joel Edgerton. <laughs> mostly him. Um, because you end up with that stuff, you're like, well, where do we go now? You have to start a new story, except for a sequel. That's a spin-off more than anything else. So there's another Underworld film. I was like, well, too. But, you know, it's like, okay, where do we go? And where Awakenings goes, like, oh, okay. okay. It takes a turn, and I will uh, explain it for you. Please do. I'm going to say as little as I can. A few years after the events of Evolution, because we're now 2012 in real life, three years after Rise of the Lycans, but yeah, Mm. this is set a few years after the end of Evolution. Mm. We start with the same opening as Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead for some reason. It's a bunch of like news and stuff Mm. because the humans have discovered that vampires and werewolves are a thing. Which kind of makes sense considering you have been saying, you know, Corvinus has been going around covering things up Illuminati style and And now now he's dead. The elders and the Corvinus line are basically all wiped out. They were the people that were cleaning Mm. stuff up. So now without anything to clean up, people start discovering world building wise. Okay. Cool. Okay. It basically turns to like Vampire the Masquerade or Vampire Bloodlines and stuff. The, the video games and RPGs Wasn't there a and stuff. lawsuit. Switch? There's a massive lawsuit around that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the Vampire the Masquerade people and I can't remember the werewolf equivalent, but the werewolf equivalent of Vampire the Masquerade made by mm. the same company tried to sue the underworld people. Mm. They they succeeded. They settled, they settled in court. In court yeah. There's also but the it's fast- all just basic vampire bullshit, isn't it? Basically, there's also the the, the whole thing of technically. Like they had to pay Marvel a license, yes, because Marvel Celine. has a Celine. has a vampire character called Celine, who is sort of a vampire Celine. character. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. she's very different in the like she's a flat out bad guy in the comics, and yeah. also has been alive for like nine thousand years. Yeah. Um, See, I I think I side with what Jack was saying. When you say I'm gonna make a vampire story, there's so many iterations that it's very hard for someone to actively sue you and say, that's my version. Yeah. I mean... So they argued it on the, like, what Tim was talking about earlier, like, we've evolved past needing to drink human blood and blah, 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 mm. blah. The concept of the elders, like, in hibernation and they come out and like mm. stuff. It's the little details ah. that create the world building of Underworld that separate it from the other vampire mm. bullshit. The fact that you have werewolves and lichens and they are a different mm. thing. And it's not and there's one or two there's things, also hi- all the things. There's a whole like conspiracy theory around the hybrids and all this kind of stuff. Right. I can see what they mean but any fucker could have written that. I know that's not how art works. And I'm like, oh, I could have drawn that art. Mm. Like, uh, modern art isn't a thing. A white sheet of paper isn't art. Well, it's in an art museum, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But Vampire but like, the Masquerade and and I think it's Werewolf the Apocalypse. Thank you, Tim. Yes, uh, the Apocalypse. Yeah. Um, at least that version of them. They are also very tropey as yes. these films are. Yeah. They are, and and very much a product of their time. Like they are, I mean, uh, late really 80s. 80s aren't they? Yeah. 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 But, but that whole goth influenced like take on all of these things yeah so it it's it, the era of sandman and the crow and lots yes, of like yeah, hidden exactly. underworld shit and yeah, yeah, yeah and it it makes complete sense that they have a lot of shared dna even if it wasn't intentional and but maybe it was so who knows yep cool so unsurprisingly because humans are terrible they all freak out and decide to genocide the vampires and the werewolves basically it gets, with the humans on it that. gets very dystopian very quickly. 
we yeah. are we are very very much out of the 2000s gothy stuff and now we're in the young adult dystopian it's basically hunger games with vampires it was, it it was basically yeah. equilibrium but uh, with equilibrium vampires equilibrium was the exact thing <laughs> i was going to compare it to. <laughs> it's basically equilibrium yeah. but not as good yeah. i like equilibrium quite a lot um and fairly quickly for some reason Celine and michael are captured by the humans and they like determine something about Celine's powers and they're different from Michael's. You hear like chatter from doctors and stuff. And I'm not kidding here, folks. She gets put into cryostasis. Yeah, this all happens in about the opening like this is, four minutes. This is the opening four minutes. We're going full Resident Evil, aren't we? Funny you should say that, Matthew. Yeah. Celine awakens 12 years later, straight into the Resident Evil franchise. <laughs> and I wrote a note here because I did my research. I'm not kidding. This is a direct reference to Alice waking up. Mm-hmm. They were going to put Celine in the red dress from Resident Evil. Yeah, that was the plan. Didn't they want to all do a along. crossover? At I mean, some it, point. yes, they were. This was also planned to be the crossover between the two franchises. Jesus. It would have. It would have added some fucking color to this film. But, <laughs> because my first note is even more grey. Fuck me. Exactly. <laughs> yes, this was the planned crossover between those two franchises. Oh my god! There was also a crossover planned for Dracula Untold. There is a. Is and that, I Frankenstein. And I Frankenstein. Yes. They were supposed to cross over those two. Yes. As part of that era, that, that version of the dark, the dark universe. universe. That's the pre-dark universe, dark universe thing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, I think it's Dracula Untold. There is a there's like a Hollywood rumor that yeah. there is a never released like post-credit scene of Kate Beckinsale as Celine showing up at the end of Dracula Untold. To oh, like they tie shot it, all in they? and stuff. Yes. They, they apparently have shot it. Nobody's ever seen it. Yeah, of course. And yeah. So this was nearly a crossover with Resident Evil, nearly a crossover <laughs> with Dracula Untold and I Frankenstein. Mm. Turns out it's neither, but it's basically Resident Evil. And yeah, this scene of her wandering through and doing the whole thing is literally a reference to the opening bit of Resident Evil with Mila Jovovich walking through in her little hospital gown and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and finding the red dress and all that kind of stuff that Tim loves so much about the Resident Evil franchise. Just love it. I think I, I remember hearing about this stuff. I remember hearing that it was going to be, uh, obviously not just that, but that she would get the black suit we're familiar with at the end of Correct. the film. Correct, yes. <sighs> yep. Yep. To be fair, sounds like the kind of thing I might have done. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, <laughs> mad shit, and I'd be like, over. "Fucking what?" <laughs> but I'll like I like, did with I Blade and Spider-Man, I'd be like, "What the yeah, fuck?" I can't is this argue shit? with it though; it makes sense. Yeah, uh, she learns, that, as I said earlier, that both vampires and lichens have basically been hunted to near extinction, and while she tries to escape, she has weird, confusing visions that lead her to David, a vampire who has been tracking her. I'm gonna put this out here right now. Thank you, Matthew. I don't think Tim's done that. <laughs> of all of us. Extra superpower vision quest. Of bollocks. all the crossovers, I don't think Tim's gone, better make this a Resident Evil. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's also... A... I, I, something deep inside my heart truly wishes you had, Tim. <laughs> just, but just to fuck I was, with... I, I, will, I will throw this out there. I was not aware of any of the crossover shit. That they oh, were tr- really? Oh, do. okay. Would no. you, though, Tim? <laughs> no. There it is! <laughs> I fucking would. There is, there, there's a hilarious bit in this, like, when she's, like, wake up and escapes out of the thing as well, where she's, like, got out of the, the, the facility and 
uh, grabs a like a coat from like a military surplus store. Yeah, and it's very clearly like a big grey bloke's coat. Yeah, yes. and she puts it on, and it and is instantly a fitted yeah. Yep. Yeah. woman's coat, and it's like brilliant. Love yep. it. Yep. She meets David, who is boring, <laughs> bland and boring. Oh, Michael was bland, and about to be the secondary character of this movie. So get used to him. Mm. Uh, Theo James. Good old Theo James. Yeah. Who's he, you say? Exactly. Some weak-ass lichens appear, because they've all been, as you said, Matthew, oh, they've got a food skin supply. Skin and bones. Or skin and bones or whatever. Uh, Celine, Celine fights her way through them pretty easily and reaches a second escapee from the research facility. A confused young girl. Oh no, who could she be? We'll find out, Just I guess. Like a bit in bayonetta. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Mummy! Yeah. I'm not your mummy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. She is. <laughs> Celine, David, and the girl. I'll keep calling a girl until they reveal her name later on. It's crap. <laughs> the reverse Kratos. It is. Yeah. Girl. 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 <laughs> Tim <laughs> you That's the crossover. crossover Underworld The Rise of Gru Death <laughs> Dealer Hey he's vaguely Eastern European right He'll fit right in Jesus I, I can't imagine a desaturated Despicable Me or really colourful Or a really really colourful Underworld yeah. It was like Grey as fuck, and then these bright yellow and blue minions Jesus. just running about. Just, just, just perfectly photorealized CGI. Lichens and vampires have been hunted to near extinction. In their place rose the minions. Banana! A, spe- <laughs> a species more terrifying than even the hybrids we grew to expect from the unification of our species. The minions have taken control. <laughs> And I am the minion elder. <laughs> the minion elders who leap from through, through time. <laughs> In a way, the minions have leapfrogged through time. They fucking have. Jesus. Anyway. Please God, anyway. <laughs> uh, Celine, David and the girl drive away and are attacked once again by more weak-ass lichens. Much like lichen... Uh, much like lichen. <laughs> well, but we should point out, Celine still has these new cool powers, right? Sort of. Sure. Just what is it? I want to remember that mind everyone that she's it still never, a badass. It doesn't really come up. It Apart doesn't from matter. the weird vision thing. She doesn't do anything. Having. It's fine. Much like Michael in the first film, it's basically exactly the same shot. Mm. A lichen bites the girl's shoulder and she sort of like transforms and stuff and uh, gets some superpowers and stuff. Celine then realizes this is probably her daughter <laughs> because of hybrid powers and stuff. Her sure. hybrid form is... Dog shit. shit. <laughs> really shit. I mean, it's hard to do, like, because she's like a 13 year old yes, girl. And is, it's yeah, hard yeah. to do, like, extensive, like, monster makeup on someone that age, I would imagine. Yeah, but also, yeah. it's just really bad. Then don't is the yeah. answer to that fucking yeah. question. You've seen the sort of rabid teenage kid looking like scary and terrifying, and amazing in Logan. Yeah. It ain't that. Yeah. No, exactly. During her own escape from the facility, we find out that their daughter found Celine's cryogenic chamber and, like, freed her. Had an inkling to be like, did I freed her? But then didn't hang around for whatever reason. The girl's bite wound doesn't heal, though, so David decides to take them to his coven. A little 
a pocket of vampire survivors. Now, I don't know how there are so many fucking survivors in more mansions and shit, considering they've all been hunted to death. Yep. <laughs> it's genocide, apart from uh, multiple pockets of survivors. Not them. After the girl reluctantly drinks some blood, hey, she finally drinks some blood. Again, not from human. Yeah, uh, from, a vamp- from another vampire. From another vampire. What is it, Morbius? <laughs> she has a palm sucker yeah, thing. Get the yeah, get Blue blood. <laughs> yeah, drinking the life force or whatever the Spider-Man animated series had. Uh, David tries to convince Celine to stay and help them fight back against their human overlords. Yeah, we're the bad guys now, as if we ever weren't. The coven is attacked by more lichens because this is this entire movie is wherever they go, much like an evolution, wherever Celine goes, Marcus follows. Wherever Celine goes, a bunch of skinny lichens will follow and attack people, basically. Until we meet Super Lichen, a big, like... <laughs> Incredible Hulk lichen dude. They have a cave troll. <laughs> he looks like a cave troll. Yeah. He absolutely looks like yeah. the cave troll. Cave troll with a little bit of a snout. Yeah. The cave troll was 11 years before this film. And looks a lot better. And it looks better. It really does. Yeah. So, literally, when I describe Hulk lichen or slap a wolf makeup on the cave troll, it's basic, <laughs> it's basically what this thing looks like. Uh, this is also resistant to silver, heals basically instantly, and seems basically unkillable. Hello, Resident Evil boss. Yeah. <sighs> they fight, and he knocks her out, basically. Well, it knocks. Mm. We'll find out who it is later on. Spoilers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Hulk wolf knocks out Celine. She later awakens and finds that David's father gave up Celine's daughter to maintain the coven's safety because they were hunting after the daughter the whole time. Celine reluctantly... David's father, played by Charles Dance. Yeah, Charles Dance. Add in in some gravitas. We need some British gravitas. gravitas. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Uh, Celine reluctantly saves his life and meets Sebastian, a pro-vampire human detective. Just don't... Again, stealing from Marvel there, I would argue, but whatever. Um, Where are we? Hold on. I scrolled too far. <laughs> Sebastian confirms that the Lycans have been traced to Antigen, the corporation dedicated to killing off all the vampires and who happen to be the same company who imprisoned Celine and her daughter in cryostasis. Umbrella. Dun, dun, dun. It's the Umbrella Corporation. So this was where the reveal of the Resident Evil crossover was right, going to be. Yeah, yeah. This was going to be the Umbrella Corporation. That makes and sense. And then, oh my God. My name is Alice, and I've been fighting werewolves yeah. for the last six yeah. months. And yeah, the big plot twist is that Antigen is actually run by a secret, like a, a Lycanati type crew. Yes, I merged the word Illuminati with Lycan. <laughs> yeah, who have been plot point. posing as humans in order to trick the world in believing that Lycans are extinct, led by. Stephen Ray, yeah. correct. Whose accent goes another the Irish accent going all over the place. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. He's playing Doctor Lane and is trying to perfect the Lycan race and needs the DNA of Celine's daughter to do so. Again, they're chasing this hybrid thing, basically from the first one. The super Lycan Celine faced earlier is Quint, the Doctor's son. Quint, what an odd choice of a name for the big bad Jaws, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I guess it's a Jaws reference. There's a bunch of, like, just stick a reference in, I guess, and we'll not worry about it. And he's also been the prototype. Dogs have jaws. Wolves have jaws. Oh. So do vampires. <laughs> there you go. 
and will never go in the water again because there's, <laughs> there's a big wolf in the water. There's blood in the water. Blood, uh, vampires. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the work you're doing that this film is not Meet doing my vampire OC, Chief Brody. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing a underworld, underworld, colon, underwater. It's a Jaws crossover. Tim? <laughs> is that what we got in store? We're going to need half? a bigger wolf. Uh, it, uh, underwater world. It's a combination of Jaws, Water World, Water world <laughs> and, and Underworld. underworld. <laughs> it's the triple crossover. <laughs> no, we need it. Matt's, like... Matt, Matt's face just screwed up <laughs> like I'd just done a ship directly under his nose. <laughs> I, I, like, in a way, you did. Tim. It was a bit vinegary. It was like, oh, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'll eat it, but I don't know if I should. Oh, my God. Anyway, there's no sharks in this film, unfortunately. I feel like it would be improved by a bit of a like a a, a deep blue sea like Samuel L. Jackson style like giant fucking shark out of nowhere. <laughs> Voice by Bill Nye going. It's like he's just seen like the sketch or the part of Austin Powers with the shush. Yes. And thinks, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it, but a vampire style. It's like, sure. Celine and Sebastian team up to attack Antigen to stop Lane and save Celine's daughter. Who she now just calls Eve. It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not entirely clear if she remembers that's what her daughter was called. Gives her a new name, or she just goes, "Ah, Eve. Yeah, Eve. Okay. Are you calling her that for the first time? Never addressed. I mean, it's also Resident Evil Six, isn't it? I'm sure it was the same plot point there. But anyway, yep. It's Resident Evil. There we go. Celine comes across Subject Zero. Hello, Resident Evil once again, whom she identifies as Michael and attempts to free him by shooting his cryogenic tank. Because <laughs> that's how that works. Because Scott that's... Speedsman's not in this film and fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also definitely not how her daughter freed her earlier on. No. She knows how these things work. Mm. Why does she shoot it? Because that's her problem solving for everything we didn't even talk yeah. about the fact that she shoots a circle in the floor and falls through the floor yeah. and then shoot and she, yeah and the shoots the ceiling in the lift and then it gives the lift mm. and then it, yeah that whole thing there's also a point in this i can't remember where it is in the film where she does just magically get her machine pistols back yes, again she does it's yes. like well we've not had them for a while might as well give them to her it's like where have they come from shut nah. up you <laughs> Anyway, she leaves him to thaw out for a bit, for some reason. Like a raw chicken on Seriously, the side. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> just, just chuck a bit of frozen chicken on the, on the counter. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Going to end up with bacteria. Hy hybrid salmonella. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, the virus has mutated once again. The virus. It's now a wolf vampire chicken. God. She goes out to save her daughter, David, who since being healed by Celine's blood, has inherited her immunity to sunlight. So she's like spreading the daywalker disease, basically. Uh... Arrives to help the heroes. In the fight, Celine confronts Hulk Wolf Quint again. She tricks him into returning into his more vulnerable form by hiding in a narrow tunnel. So he can't fit his big hulky body. So he like <laughs> shrinks himself down a bit and then stabs him and puts a silver grenade in his belly. Yes, because he heals he goes, instantly. <laughs> so he heals around it. Yep. It's bad. And does a big like 
almost the mask style, like cartoon morph. Like, do, do you know what it reminded me of? It the bit in the first Blade film where he stabs the vampires with the vaccine stuff and that's they swell up. That's yeah. exactly it, Tim. Yes, good, yeah, good shout, good shout. Uh, Eve shows off her strength because she's a hybrid and kills Lane by ripping out his throat. This we is... should. We haven't really touched on this. I don't know if it's that they just write. They have no idea how to write. Yes, Eve, that one. Or she's a very bad actress. <laughs> yes, that one. Probably a combo of the two. Why not both? But she's, to quote the road to El Dorado. She is intolerable. Yes. A, a, a questionable child actor getting questionable direction from a questionable director on a questionable script. Yes. <laughs> oh look, it's a disaster. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly the police arrive. Ah! This is the end of the movie, everybody. Celine, Eve, and David return to Michael's tank and find it empty. The chicken has flown. The- <laughs> <laughs> Salmonella. <laughs> and knowing that the world will be hunting Michael, even though they've killed everyone, so I, I don't really yeah, sure. know why they swear a vow to find him. As if that wasn't basically the plot of the first movie. We're good. <laughs> yeah. So Ta-da! That's Underworld Awakening. It's a bag of shite. The, the, the very clear thing here is that um, we haven't mentioned Danny McBride. And I don't mean the actor Danny McBride. <gasps> yeah. I had a horrible <laughs> realisation. I was like, no way. <laughs> Surely not. There's no way that Danny McBride... Oh, thank God. Fucking hell. Nah, different one. It's not the actor Danny McBride. No, but there is a Danny McBride who uh, wrote these films. Mm. Uh, He only really wrote the first three. Mm. Well, it's him and uh, Kevin Grew. Yes. Who is Ray's. Who is Ray's. Yeah, exactly. Who also wrote a terrible uh, volume of New Warriors for Marvel. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Just trash. (laughs) But the fourth and fifth film... Has he's not involved basically? Len Wiseman's involved in one of them, but this isn't it. So, while we had a lot to say about the first three films and the interconnectivity and all that sort of stuff, Awakening gives us sort of like new world order. Oh my god, the landscape has changed, and then a giant and then a fucking time jump. Like, oh, wait, what? Um, yeah, it's essentially got a time jump and then another time jump. Yeah, it's like things are changed forever. 12 years' time. I mean, to be fair. End game does it, but you know what? Fair, <laughs> that makes sense there. But this is the thing: the film is just kind of dumb and dull, mm. and feels like a bastardized afterthought. And it's cheaper, and it's less impressive yeah. and less engaging. And it's also, while it still looks the same, it do- I don't know what inspiration. And um, actually, Jack uh, may have nailed it with the Hunger Games. It's drawing mm. on for a different thing now. Yep. And we should note that Wiseman came back for the second one. He directed the second one, yes. Second one. Mm-hmm. Did not direct Rise of the Lycans or Awakening. Correct. No. Um, and and they are not well-known directors who are tackling these other two films. That's true. There's there's less, uh, let's say, directorial presence. Yeah. They're a bit shot, you know, mid-shot, shot-reverse-shot kind of things. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. Generic stuff. Not that Wiseman is, is an auteur no, by any no. stretch of the imagination, no. but he's at least more competent than these people. He's got a, a body Weisman, of work that you can point to and go, he, okay, well, yeah. He was busy on Len, Die Weisman, Hard Yeah, Live Free or Die Hard was what I was about to yeah. mention there. A film we've talked about extensively on the show before. He also did the Total Call, Total Recall remake in With Kate Beckinsale, you say? What? <laughs> what a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not good. Yeah. 
they uh they we could go on to blood wars we won't look at the fucking runtime it's basically the same thing oh the vampires and the werewolves are at war the blood wars if you will and i won't and they're looking for Celine because Eve, her daughter, holds the key to the hybrid. We fucking know this. <laughs> this is the plot of the first one and the fourth one. Why are you doing it again? Yeah. Oh, we learn that David is. Do, do you remember the um, elder who is killed while traveling to the mansion that I briefly mentioned in the first one? Amelia. Amelia. How could I forget her? Exactly. <laughs> David is Amelia's son. So. Yeah, yeah. It's the Star Wars thing. It, what do we yeah, have? Yeah, Vader yeah. built C three PO. Yeah. What loose every black we have person left? in Star Wars is related to every other black yeah. person. Yeah. All the Palpatines are all the Palpatines. Do you see that one fucking uh, you know background person on a Star Destroyer? Yeah. This is their story. It's Daniel oh, Craig. Oh fuck me! <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Daniel Craig's story. Um. So so. Just to fucking cap this all off. Bland, dull. I, I still think the first. I, I, actually, if I, if I if I cast my eyes to my Blu-rays, I own the first three Underworlds on Blu-ray. I do not own the last two, and <laughs> I'm a completionist. Yeah, <laughs> that says a lot. That does say a lot. I you own, you own a lot of crap because you own good films earlier in the series. I own Transformers: The Last Night. I hate you, man. That is a piece. <laughs> of, but that's, that's worse than I Underworld. Did, it absolutely is. I paid seventy p for it, so I'm all right. <laughs> Uh, Underworld uh, is still expensive on Blu-ray, as far as I'm concerned. Fair, because very few people are buying it. Um, yeah. So when, when again, just to, to to come back to what we said very early in this episode, when uh, it, this was brought to us by the VIP John Clark, who who said, "Fix this. It's the fourth one." It's like, yeah, two could be improved. It was oh, absolutely, absolutely fucking improved. Yeah, and we would probably, if we were picking it, we would have done that. Uh, Rise of the Lycans could be improved if it was prequelizers. We probably do that. Mm. But yeah, the fourth one is 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 dog shit and feels separate to everything else. That being said, the fifth one is worse. But why the fuck would we preserve anything in this one? Yeah. Um. So it's over to Tim to fix this one. Hello. I think there's enough random world building bits. There is so many films. threads to pull on from the world yeah. building nonsense. Yeah. I feel like this is one of those ones where it could be an easy win for you. Like, yeah, do this. We, we shall see. I made some Resident Evil shaped I holes. made some interesting oh. choices. Such as Milo Jombovich and <laughs> Paul Thompson. <laughs> okay, well, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. This week, we are sponsored by Audible. Audible has thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, comedy specials, and so much more, including sequelizers. You can go on there and listen to us. Uh, perhaps that's your podcast service of choice. Mm, you or maybe not. Maybe you're listening to us on something else. Who cares? But <laughs> you should check out Audible for their expansive library of audiobooks and, as I say, so much more. And we are here to enhance this fantastic experience because if you head to audibletrial.com slash sequel you can get a month's free membership and an audiobook on us this week i reached out to a friend of mine immy who reads a lot of books often of the vampire and werewolf variety oh yeah and i asked for a recommendation and she is currently listening to the audiobook of 
A Discovery of Witches oh. by Deborah Harkness. I've heard good things about that series. Uh, it is the first in the must-have, must-listen All Souls trilogy uh, and is now a major Sky original production, which maybe has some links to my fix that I'm going to be pitching, perhaps. It, is Matthew Good in that series? He yeah. is. Teresa Palmer and Matthew Good, yeah. Tim made a face. Mm. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, for... Uh, for people who don't know what it's about, uh, Diana Bishop, a young scholar and descendant of witches, discovers a long-lost and enchanted alchemical manuscript deep in Oxford's Bodleian Library. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I've never been to Oxford. Uh, its reappearance summons a fantastical underworld, oh, 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 oh. which she must navigate with a vampire, Matthew Claremont. Oh, oh. <laughs> That's your name. <laughs> or some of it. I, I'm not the vampire. Or are you? Uh, oh. uh, so that's A Discovery of Witches, one of thousands upon thousands of free books that you can claim by going to audibletrial.com slash sequel and get a free audiobook and a free month's membership of Audible, all thanks to your lads at Sequelizers. Jack, I don't remember if this was part of the outtakes or the first half because I am gone time. Time is, time is a flat circle. I've gone time you, blind. You've been in cryostasis for 12 years. Yeah. Looking for your hybrid daughter. Or COVID, as it's called. <laughs> yeah. That too. But at some point, you've said you presumed that these films are not all well reviewed. I, I, slightly different wording. I presume they are all not well reviewed <laughs> across the board. I, I assume none of these are certified fresh. Because Underworld is fine, and they basically just get worse. Like I said, Rise of Lycans, fine. Evolution, fine. Awakening, garbage. Blood Wars, garbage. Yeah. I assume they're going to be fairly low across the board, would be my guess. Yeah. Like, my guiding, sub 50%. <laughs> my guiding light in this is that, as we often come back to, Blade 2. They've got to be worse than Blade 2. 54. 57. 57%. I believe. And none of these films are as good as Blade 2. Absolutely. It's never stopped other films being much worse than Blade 2 before. Tim. I mean, it's true, but I, mean, I just... but they, they are also so similar to Blade 2 that I feel like I can use that. Like The critics who didn't like Blade 2 are certainly not going to like Underworld. And many of the ones who did see the appeal of Blade 2 presumably would go... This is not as good entirely as valid. other stuff. Yeah, Even and confirm Blade Two is currently fi at time of writing and recording fifty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Shamefully low. Me again. Sixty eight percent on the audience score. Fifty seven. Put that filth away. I, nope. I will. I am not cheating. I was just looking <laughs> at Blade Two. So, uh, with that in mind, of course we're doing all fucking five. Of course you are. Tim, yeah. you have to guess the fifth one. Uh, whatever. Tim, let's we're, start with we're guessing them all. Spoiler yeah, yeah. Oh, my apologies. <laughs> Tim's guessing blind. There we go. There we go. Uh, Underworld, Tim, what do you think? 40%. Ooh. Tim says 40. Jack. I've got to start again. I, I, I agree with your rule. They've got to be lower than Blade 2. Just out of principle. <laughs> I'll go bang on 50. 50. That gives me more wiggle room to go <laughs> down and down and down. Okay. Underworld Evolution. Tim. Actually, you know what? Jack. 41. Just, you know, pivot things up a bit. Just made, made a number mm -hmm. up out of my head. <laughs> I think 41 isn't made up number. It's real. Um, <laughs> no, I just made it up. Oh. I've invented the question mark. Uh, Tim. I 
don't like. Well, no, I don't. <sighs> Do you like any of them? <laughs> I, like, d- I don't like Rotten Tomatoes. I like the first one. Okay, fine enough. I I think That's the second one no. has a lot of problems. Agreed. Twenty five percent. Whoa, fucking hell! You salty little bitch. Uh, right, Tim. Let's stick with you. Underworld: Rise of the Lycans. I'm gonna go up. Oh, interesting. To yeah. 32%. Oh, I'm in the 30s there as well, I think, yeah. Uh, 35 for me, please, Matthew. Okay. I'm just going to go down and down and down. <laughs> and a fucking yeah. drop-off coming up. Jack, let's stick with you. Underworld Awakening. 20%, please. That's why I needed to leave myself some room. <laughs> Because I wanted the cliff between you, Lycans you've gone and Awakens. decades so far. Oh, it was like five, four, three, two. So yeah, um, Tim, ten percent. that's Blood Wars money. That is Tim. <laughs> that's Blood Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Lycans. <laughs> was that your like vampiric version of Number Wang? Like that's Blood Wars. <laughs> that's Blood Wars. That did feel a bit Number Wang, didn't <laughs> it? Yeah. Did, yeah. Uh, uh, Jack, sticking with you, if I remember correctly, if I've lost time already. Um, <laughs> Underworld, bum wars. 13% 13. Tim, seems like a spooky you've read number. the synopsis, I believe. Yes, I you have. seen it. <laughs> 8%. Oh, single digits, Tim. Yeah. I love it. I like the boldness. Well. Well, well, well. <laughs> well, I can confirm two things at this time. One, because there are five movies, thankfully we have a winner. Hey, nice. Slim. Slim win. We're, we were ballparking-ish. Mm, yeah. Ish. Thing number two, none of you fuckers got the audience scores near either, so it's interesting. No, no, no. Oh, no, yeah. Here we go. I presume the audience scores are substantially higher. Yes. Probably by about 20% each time. That's often the case, isn't it? Yeah. Tim, you don't know the fucking half of it. Eighty-five <laughs> <laughs> percent audience score. <laughs> Underworld. Tim said forty. Jack said fifty. Both you are wrong. Oh. Thirty-one. Fuck off! Oh no! I think <laughs> is this a clean sweep for Tim? <laughs> I'm a bit worried. <laughs> Fuck me. Uh, I overshot that a tad, didn't I? Audience score. Christ. 79. (laughs) (laughs) Critics never know anything, do they? Wow. I mean, I'm sitting here saying these are three and five out of two out of five. Yeah, that's that's the same sort of like, you know, the the fanboy in me is like, three out of five. And the critic's like, two out of five, dickhead. So that is the divide (laughs) between. One and a half out of five. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Underworld evolution. I'm in trouble. All of my picks were higher than Tim's. Tim Tim said, it's got to be lower. 25. And Jack said, ah, lower, yeah, 41. <coughs> uh 17. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I'm finding this so entertaining that I don't care I'm losing. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Fuck Audience yeah. score. Again, reflect to what we said earlier. 72. Yeah. <laughs> Me! <laughs> Talk about a divide. Wow. wow. So again, they're saying like Underworld's great, but the second one, bit disappointing. 17% of people would give it a three out of five. Let's not forget how Rotten Tomatoes works here. Yeah. This yeah. isn't a score out of a hundred percent or nope. a percentage no. like aggregated or anything like that. Mm. It's a percentage of people that would give it a three out of five it's or more. Eight, 83% of critics 
gave it a two out of five or lower. Fuck Mm -hmm. me. I mean, it's not good, but (laughs) nope, nope. It's no, it's if that's it's a bit of a hated one, isn't it? I think I think your your inkling with single digits for Blood Force (laughs) that Tim is is coming coming true. Did enough people see it to review it? Well, that's that's, here's an interesting thing. Things shift a little bit here. Underworld, Rise of the Lycans. Oh, uptick with Rise of the Lycans. I think you might be on that. Now, you it's both settled around the same 30s. Tim went up and, and you kept going down, Jack. Uh, Tim said 32, Jack said 35. So very, very much yeah, the same sort that's of that's our closest picks, I think. Uh, both you kind of right. 29. Fucking hell. Sheen pulling the weight. It's a clean sweep for Tim so far. Audience, <laughs> 63. Eh. Yeah. Odd. Yeah. Mm. Weird but, that it's lower than the other two, but... It, I guess yeah. there's so it's much the retreading. Pe- the stuff, people who like the black leather and guns were like, why is it medieval times? That's actually probably very valid, yeah. yeah. Which the I technology? point them to background extras dressed like a Creed video. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's there, it's just hiding. You should just squint for the leather crop top. Here we go. Underworld Awakening. Okay. Uh, Tim said 10. Jack said 20. 25? What? what? It went up. It went up. Fuck off. I mean, oh. that's got to be expectations adjusting. Kate Beckinsale's back, yeah. everybody. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's exactly what it is. Um, just quickly checking the numbers here. If it's a... Uh, nah, there are fewer people re- reviewing it, but not really by a crazy amount. Yeah, no. yeah. Uh, audience score. Again, very confusing. 62. Christ. One down. They've not from... dipped below 60% of no. the audience scores. The audience have said... We've been down to 17%. Yeah, audience said, oh, Rise of the Lycans. A mm, little bit of a disappointment. This one, same thing. It's like, sure. Are you sure? And finally, Underworld Blood War. Oh, no. Uh, Tim said eight. Jack said 13. Yeah, you guys went too low. Wow. 21. What? Uh, yeah, it's still shit. What, higher than Rise of the Lycans? No, uh, no, so, so can I find the numbers in one 17%? go? 17%? 31, right. 17, 29, 25, 21. Blood Wars is not better than Evolution. Absolutely fucking not. I'm putting it out there right now. <laughs> uh, the audience knew that, but not by much. 49. Christ. So it's three points to Tim, two points to Jack. Very close. Fuck <laughs> me. And... And we almost universally overshot apart from the last two. Very much yeah. so. It's the worst weird... two films. I would have thought if I had to do this thing, I'm like, I don't know, maybe there's enough people saying it's an okay, it's a matrixy kind of thing, whatever, it's 2003, 60%, maybe 50, I don't know. But it's not, it shouldn't be there. Mm. Yeah. It's like, oh God, 30. And the, and the thing... Start with 31, fuck me. The thing that surprises me is because, yes, when it gets to the fourth one, it tries to adjust, it tries to be a bit more equilibrium a bit more resident evil a bit more hunger games even in its aesthetic it gets a lot more gray and it kind of yes. gets rid of the, the 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 blue sheen of it but it still feels so of the matrix era yeah. and at that point that is 10 years ten, old over more. 10 yeah. years 13 years old mm-hmm. and so the fact that there are critics who are like yeah this is fine like because mm. that's even too soon for nostalgia like it's not like That's people are looking point, yeah. back and going like, oh, it's a throwback to the Matrix. Stuff. Even when the Matrix came back in the form of Resurrections, it didn't. Yeah, it doesn't look like the Matrix. We're in a '90s thing at the moment. Absolutely, we haven't got to the 2000s nostalgia yet, which is why we get we might get an Underworld reboot. Yeah, 
Oh God. So oh, there's that. Wow. Weird numbers. Wow. Really don't know what that franchise is. I mean, it um, never really leaves much of the early 30s. It's just... Thank God they're lower than Blade 2. Yes. Across the board. Yeah. But fucking hell. <laughs> I'm not weird. over starting with 31%. That blew my mind. Yeah. They're inconsistent as shit. But they've also made a fair amount of money. So... Yeah. Hello, Resident Evil. <laughs> yeah. Precisely. Oh, God. So, Tim, what are you doing with it? Yeah. What, what to do? What? You've got a 30% movie to make, I guess. I, yeah, uh, I've tried to salvage certain elements. uh, And I've also rejected certain elements that might surprise you. Okay. We'll get into it. That that is a very intriguing layout there, too. I'm intrigued. Uh, My film is called Underworld Children of the Night. What okay. music they make. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Uh, it had a different title up until quite towards the end of me writing my pitch. And then I was like, oh, actually, no, I, that kind of that phrase came into my mind. And I was like, oh, actually, I prefer that. Does it tie in with nice with some things? <laughs> Maybe. Okay, we'll see, we'll Can see, I we'll sing see. it to the song Rhythm of the Night, please? Uh, no, you have to sing it to Music of the Night uh, from Phantom of the Opera. The children of the... N- I can't... I just it's the, the same. children of the, the night. The <laughs> night. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is coming out in 2012. That makes sense. Again, same as yeah. the three-year three thing. Not the decades I thought it was. Just, <laughs> yeah. just literally the same passage <laughs> yeah, of time. Ten years later. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Director. Mm. Yeah. I'm bringing back Len Wiseman. Oh. Oh, that kind of makes sense yeah. to me. I yeah. mean, I get it. Uh, he's still married to Kate Beckinsale at this period. For now. I did double check. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, I'm also, I'm trying to cure two things here. Uh-oh. Are you removing something else? Because I'm replacing his Total Recall remake. Hey! Good. Nice. I remember there was a red carpet interview with Colin Farrell, and they said, oh, what do you think of this movie? And he paused and said, yeah. it's very beautiful. <laughs> I was like, because he has nothing else to say mm-hmm. on this. is a dog shit film. I got paid a lot of money for it. Um, so yes, yeah, so obviously he's done Underworld and Evolution, did Die Hard 4.0, uh, and this replaces Total Recall. He's then mostly done TV since then. He's done like a mm. lot of pilot episodes and stuff like that. Why. Sleepy Hollow, which I think he was an exec producer on as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucifer, uh, The Gifted, the he, last X-Men He worked thing. on the recent Swamp thing. thing he did do the yeah, Swamp I remember thing, that. yeah. I remember talking about that. Which again, which has successful actually, I haven't watched that, but it has a surprisingly good reputation. I've yeah. heard people say it's I've actually... St- I've really seen good. the one episode. I thought it was yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. It's decent. 30%. Yeah. It's better than... Yeah, 31%. Mm. A lot better than a lot of the other shitty superhero yeah. stuff that's churned out. Yeah, I think, you know, he... Inextricably birthed, linked, right? Yeah, he birthed yeah. this franchise. You know, him and Kate Beckinsale are still an item at this point. It, to me, it just made sense. I don't think you're going to upgrade dramatically from Len Wiseman. The other person I did consider was Neil Marshall. Oh, I can absolutely, absolutely see that. As I, that is exactly, again, we know we always do this, like, oh, if I was doing that, yeah. Neil Marshall is exactly the kind of direction I would have gone in. Jack yeah. Chambers Ward's Neil Marshall presents Resident <laughs> Underworld. <laughs> but also, I, Resident went, Evil I went back and looked, and I was like, Dog Soldiers is great, The Descent is great. And then, yeah. and then it's a little bit, yeah. and he's done like some good TV and stuff. The Last Centurion, and Hellboy um, and yeah. yeah, but it's it's so I was like, the Last Centurion's mediocre. That's yeah. the problem. It's all like, eh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I I was happy with Wiseman. 
Yep. <clears throat> Happy with Wiseman. Cool. Returning cast. As Celine, oh. Kate Beckinsale. I wondered. I wondered. Because you said, uh, I'm getting rid of some things. You might expect me to keep. I was like, what? Vampires. Keep, yeah. Uh, I'm also bringing back Erica, played ah, by Sophia Miles. Nice. Okay. okay. Cool, cool. That of everyone's favourite scene of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's my returning cast. Oh. Let me do the maths in my head here because the closed loop. So Scott's beeping still out. I God. No problem with that. Uh, unless he's back in some sort of like thing later and Tim's pulling a little... Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, but I don't think he is. Um, archive footage, Tim? Maybe. We'll Maybe. see. We'll okay. find out. New cast. Okay. Oh, okay. As Michael Corvin. Oh, oh Tim. Oh, shit. I, okay, Tim okay. Mason. I am recasting. Because <gasps> he's boring. Yeah. Tim. Would anyone notice? <laughs> <laughs> he's busy on Grey's Anatomy or whatever he's doing. Yeah. Sure. Being bland and chemistryless wherever he goes. <laughs> Not good for a doctor. Uh, so I have actually picked someone who quite closely resembles Scott Speedman. Is it Scott Khan? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say another Scott. Say Scott Stapp from Creed. <laughs> In the first movie, I keep watching him with his little floppy hair and I'm like, Children of that are all you, Scots. You are so Scott Stapp from Creed. Yeah. So I'm not doing any like... You've got another Scott. He's not like... Oh, he goes through a mutation and now he looks different, kind of thing. It's he's it's we're just the same dude. It's just same dude. It's, we're just it's, carrying. It's Iron Man two, Roadie. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so I have cast Anthony Starr. Oh, Homelander from exactly. the Boys. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, very interesting. Uh -huh. uh, most people would now know him from the Boys. At this point, he shows up in without a paddle in a very minor role. He does, yeah. Uh, he kind of had his big break on a t uh, Australian TV show because he's an Aussie, say he's Aussie yeah. uh, mm. called Outrageous Fortune, where he played twins. Yep. Oh, okay. Uh, and also has been on an Aussie TV show called Rush at this point. Um, this was a zine, then, wasn't he? Then goes on yes. to uh, show up on Banshee, an American series, and American yeah, Gothic. I like Banshee a lot. And then The Boys. He's he's genuinely a, a nice. very funny guy, but yeah. also a very very good actor. Mm -hmm. And he got into some legal trouble about beating people up. He did do a punching. He did do a punching. Well, not not a Nancy Rogan like so many other people we talk about on this show. I mean, but not it, ideal. He is an Australian. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, as Gideon, okay, I mm -hmm. have Luke Evans. He's built for the Wait. Underworld franchise. Dracula untold Dracula Luke untold Evans. Himself. Yes. Uh, this is preceding Dracula Untold. Does this uh, undo Dracula? Oh, Tim, you're fixing so much of the timeline at once. Uh, so obviously he's been in Clash of the Titans, Tamara Drew, The, uh, the Three Musketeers. Goes on to uh, be in the Hobbit movies as well. Yes. Uh, just been in Immortals as Zeus. Oh, yay. Uh, I don't dislike that film. And I quite then, like the Immortal. I've got that on Blu-ray for some yeah. reason. Uh, following this, why. he's the bad guy in Fast and Furious 6. He is. He's in The Hobbit. Yeah. Uh, Two, three of them, yeah. I think. Yep. Yep. Uh, he Ga is Gaston. He is Gaston. <laughs> uh, he's Dracula Untold, yeah. uh, and he's in High Rise, the um, uh, Ballard adaptation. Oh, by, um, yeah, yeah. He's Welsh. Everybody needed a Welshman in this film. Very Welsh. Yeah. Very handsome. Really good at singing as well. Yes, has, yes, has an yeah. incredible singing voice mm. that <clears throat> nobody really paid attention to for the first like fifteen years of his career, mm. and then suddenly he's amazing. I don't think he's singing in this one. I'm afraid. Damn it. You don't think he is. Think of the housewives, Tim. Well, he is maybe. with Power Man Five Thousand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll write a scene where he sings. Uh, as Barrington, I Barrington's have, a good name. A good name. I have Vondi Curtis Hall. Oh, um, 
who uh, people might know uh, from prior to this, he's, he was in Die Hard 2. He was in Falling Down. He was oh, the yes, yes, uh, yes. The, the police captain in Romeo and Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann oh, one. Oh, okay. He's yeah. great. He's yeah. done many episodes of Chicago Hope at this point. Goes on to be Ben Urick in the Netflix Daredevil. Yeah. Oh, shit, of course. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. in Harriet, the Harriet Tubman film yes, recently, yes. and also The Night House, the Rebecca Hall horror film. Right. Uh, came like, out yeah, yeah. yeah, he's yeah, yeah, great, he's great, great choice. Also directs as well. Oh, um, nice. cool. I didn't yeah. know that. Uh, as Hera, like the Greek goddess, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have Abigail Spencer. Oh, okay, okay. Um, she has been in Mad Men, uh, Cowboys and Aliens, <laughs> uh, and the TV show Burning Love as well. At this point, goes on to be in Oz the Great and Powerful. Mm. Uh, she's in one season of True Detective. Shows up on Suits a fair bit, uh, and the TV show Timeless. She has like a main role in that. Oh, nice. Yeah, cool. hasn't done a lot of films, but is a I, I think a very good actress. Um, yeah, nice, solid, good cast already, Tim. As Doctor Robert Morris, good again, good vampire <laughs> world name. Uh, I see vampire. <laughs> I hinted at him already. Matthew Good. Ah, ah, for go. those who don't know, who, who don't uh, have the uh, ad version, <laughs> Tim uh, made a comment and I made a statement and Tim raised his eyebrows. And here we are. Yeah. Uh, yes. So at this point, he's been in Brideshead Revisited, probably best known for Watchmen, yes. uh, playing Ozymandias. Ozymandias yeah. He's yeah. uh, in the rom-com Leap Year, uh, goes on to be in Stoker. Uh, the Imitation Game. He might as uh, well be a vampire in Stoke. Be yeah, his yeah, performance. Yeah. Uh, in like a season of The Good Wife, uh, and is currently in the uh, Sky adaptation of A Discovery of Witches, yes. which was my I, recommendation. I like Matthew Good. We could potentially get Ozymandias versus Homeland. Oh, oh, <laughs> Incel War. Yes. <laughs> um, the next four roles are quite minor-ish roles. I've gone for some. Not big casting, uh, but these are kind of like if I don't get these people, just this type of person is fine. I'm going but, for this vibe, but I might how casting directors are told like find me a this kind of guy. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we need a Morgan is, Freeman, bro. Gravitas, yeah. Like, yeah, ideal casting. Okay. Got it. So as Lysander, Ooh. I have Bruce Greenwood. Okay. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Probably best known as uh, Pike. In, in the, the Abrams, Abrams Star Trek, Trek stuff, yeah, yeah. Uh, which has obviously come out uh, before he's, this. He's a great point. Uh, there's also in iRobot uh, and Super oh, 8 yeah. just before this. Oh, yeah. Great yeah. Great. Uh, Into Darkness comes out just after this. Yeah. He's in American Crime Story, Gerald's Game, etc. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as Agnika, Ooh. I have Sri Devi. Who okay. is a Tamil actress? Oh, cool! Mm-hmm. And I was I was casting this role, and I was like, okay, uh, let me let me put in like I, I I kind of I was like, okay, let's let's do so, diversify this universe a little bit. It's been yes. very it's white, very white, um, absolutely fucking too white. There's, there's like yeah. a handful of African American people, and you're like, that'll do. It's like, yeah, will it? Um, so I was looking up Tamil actresses, and uh, I saw her, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you've got the the, the right vibe, uh, especially from a particular film. I can see that. And then I did a bit of research and she's basically like the Meryl Streep of India. I was going to say, she, I, was, I was like, huh. Yeah. Uh, so she's been in films like uh, Mundra Mudi- Mudichu, uh, Solva Sawan, Chandri, uh, Chan- Chandani. Chandri, yeah. uh, she's in a TV show called uh, Malini Aya. Um, and around this point, she's in a 
film called English Vinglish, um, which is about her uh, learning English. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, after this, she's in a film called uh, Pooley, which is where uh, she wears some very vampire-ish costumes in, which I saw pictures of and I was like, yes, you, perfect. <laughs> um, and she very sadly died in a, a accidental drowning um, oh, wow. in 2018, yeah. like quite young. Yeah. Because um, the thing she's is, she's like been in, in her f- sort of fifties. Yeah, yeah. she's been in the industry for what feels like forever. But she, then also she like... started as a child actress, yeah, and has yeah. basically been like one of India's biggest actresses for yeah. a, for a significant time. Uh, as Silas, Daniel Stern. Oh, oh, nice, lovely. But, yeah. Uh... Mm. <laughs> that was what? an interesting noise, Matt. Well, it's because that implies such a vibe. <laughs> and I'm here for it and I'm like I'm so curious how you're gonna get Marv from Home Alone yeah. to work in this and I'm like you know what let's go yes. let's go so obviously Marv uh, was the voiceover in the Wonder Years it was in City Slickers more contemporary to this was in uh, Whip It the Elliot Page yes. uh, roller derby mm, film yes um, has mostly done kind of like some TV stuff uh, since then uh, and He's got a quite a magnificent beard these days. He has. He he will be bearded in in this film. I've seen it. Spectacular. The big David Letterman style. I've gone away for a while. I'm like Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, as La Rouge, I have Miranda Richardson. Great. Who most people are going to know as Queenie from Blackadder Two. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, <laughs> also been in. I say M- most people. I think. Us people. Yes. Uh, <laughs> We're young people the, listening Brits like, what's Blackadder? Yeah. Uh, also been in Empire of the Sun, The Crying Game, The uh, Sleepy Hollow. Yep. Yeah. Uh, just been in The Young Victoria around this point. Goes on to be in Belle, uh, Muppets Most Wanted, mm-hmm. Testament of Youth, uh, Stronger, the Jake Gyllenhaal Boston Marathon bombing uh, um, thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in the Good Omens Amazon uh, Prime series. Yes. Yeah. She's very reliable. Very good. Mm. Nice. That is my cast. Cool. It's expansive. The but that's also a kind of an underworld thing. Also, uh, to come back to what we've been saying earlier, a couple of uh, uh, established names to give it mm-hmm. credibility and gravitas. <laughs> and gravitas. These were needed. Um, very Got some curious. Welsh gravitas with Luke Evans. <laughs> Do you need me to sing? <laughs> I don't think so. Sheen didn't <laughs> sing, did he? <laughs> I don't think he did. I can sing. (laughs) The only man who will try and out-Welsh Michael Sheen. (laughs) I've got a question, Tim. Mm. And my question, I don't actually want you to answer this question. Mm -hmm. I'm going into this pitch, obviously. Aroused. uh, Obviously. (laughs) Did you not hear the cast? (laughs) Um, uh, uh, Very much assuming that it's going to be obviously be fucking better than what we had. No doubt about that in my mind. But I am curious to see if this is Tim putting the franchise to bed mm. or if this is Tim reawakening the whole thing for a new era of An sequels. awakening, if you will. Nope. A childrening, <laughs> if was you will. Putting, <laughs> was he putting the children to bed? <laughs> is he putting it all down, putting it to sleep? Um, yes. So I'm very, I'm, don't, don't feel to answer that. I'm just very, very curious which way we're going here because in terms of the audience and the franchise and listening to bits and pieces and, and experiencing it ourselves and the fact that I got three on the fucking Blu-rays. I'm curious. Yes, me too. So I'm ready to dive in when you are. Okay. Take it away, Mr. Tim. The film opens with a recap of the previous films narrated by Celine. So far, so underworld. <laughs> yep. Before transitioning to Morocco, 
Oh. Where Celine and Michael sit in a sunny courtyard. But Tim, it's not nondescript Eastern Europe that's also America. How does that work? You day-walking fucks. (laughs) Celine is still marvelling at her ability to enter the sunlight, while Michael encourages her to relax, having left behind the vampire lichen war for a life of peaceful seclusion. Have they done a Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle fucked off to a nice place and just (laughs) chilling in a restaurant? I saw you, Celine. In a restaurant, I raised a glass, I smiled, yeah. and you fucked off. You were biting a bloke. <laughs> In the sun. How'd you do that? The bloke was the size of a tangerine, to be fair. Celine worries that with all the vampire elders dead, others may be looking for revenge. But Michael reminds her of everything they face together and reassures her that they are safe. Question. This is like... Amber hued, right? It's like yeah. fucking bright Moroccan it's, it's, sun. Uh, yellow. We have actual sunlight for the first time. It's in a, different, color. a different color on screen. So okay, we've gone okay. blue, blue, very blue, <laughs> orange. <laughs> okay. We're not gone Van Helsing green, and that's the important thing. Yep. Never mm. go Van Helsing green. Yeah. <laughs> that night, what color is the night, Tim? Is it blue? Pink. It's blue. <laughs> Turkish delight colored. Oh. Celine struggles to sleep, still not used to being awake during the daytime. She dreams of Amelia's corpse, of Marcus murdering Alexander Corvinus, and of herself killing Victor and Marcus. Jolting awake, she heads out into the moonlit courtyard and senses a threat. Three masked vampires drop down into the courtyard and Celine attacks them, pulling a thin metal pipe off the building to use as a makeshift quarterstaff. Again, so far so underworld, except the Moroccan setting. But the... uh... (laughs) The, the, yeah, just sort of like, oh, we're straight into it. Fight, underhand thing. Yeah, this sounds sounds uh, thematically appropriate. The vampires defend themselves, eventually opening up enough space between them and Celine to surrender and kneel before her. Oh, mm. interesting. As Michael also emerges into the courtyard, the lead vampire unmasks and introduces himself as Gideon, an envoy from what remains of the vampire covens. He addresses Celine as the last of the elder blood and asks her and Michael to accompany him to a gathering of vampires, explaining that all her crimes have been forgiven. Interesting. Celine is distrustful and suspects the meeting is a trap, but Gideon explains that the vampire leaders have always known where she and Michael were, and if they wanted them dead, they would have sent more than three unarmed vampires. Michael is also opposed to becoming dragged into the vampire-lichen war again, but Gideon appeals to Celine saying that while her crimes may have been forgiven, she owes the vampire covens for the chaos she has caused. Feeling guilty, Celine agrees to the meeting, and she and Michael depart with Gideon and his allies. In a nameless European city. Here we go, Tim. <laughs> We're back, folks. Oh, hello. A pair of vampires stake out a blood delivery at a hospital. Stake out? Ah, stake out? You pun-wielding bastard. <laughs> When the van arrives, they knock out the driver and attempt to steal the cargo. But as they are loading up their car with blood bags, they're surrounded by human special forces armed with UV lamps. Mm. Mm. They attempt to escape, but are trapped by the humans, because a single beam of light is enough to trap a vampire, (laughs) as as we have learned. With With one vampire being killed and the other immobilized with powerful tasers. As the vampire is hauled away into a transport, the group's leader, Dr. Robert Morris, shoots the delivery driver dead. That's how we know he's the bad guy. I mean, 
Killing vampires. I don't see... It. When do we... Anyway. Uh, he, hasn't killed, he hasn't killed any vampires yet. He's immobilized them and killed a human. Yeah. Killing humans. What's the problem? <laughs> humans I mean, are assholes. That's true. Okay. As, as we learned from Underworld Awakening. Yeah. Bastards. Celine, Michael, and the others arrive back in nameless European city. <laughs> Tim has named it in capitals. <laughs> nameless European city. I would just call it like NEC from now on. That's Birmingham. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a nameless European city arena. It's Peaky Blinders crossover. <laughs> um, and Gideon guides them to an abandoned power plant where the vampires are now congregating, accessing it through underground tunnels. When Michael remarks that it's a bit of a step down from the mansion, vampire mansion, uh, Gideon snaps that this is what they've been driven to. Celine asks what he means, and Gideon replies that Barrington will explain. In a central hall, Celine and Michael are introduced to Barrington, leader of the Coven. I know we have a cast, but again, I'm so sorry. It's like, Barrington, who steps out? Hello, it's Matt Berry. (laughs) (laughs) That would be insane. You're the biggest bastard in Birmingham. (laughs) (laughs) This nameless European European city. He greets them both warmly with Michael in particular thrown by his welcoming demeanour. He tells the pair that, with the Council of Elders destroyed, the safety measures that they had put into place to prevent humans from learning of vampires' existence were compromised, and now a secret war is being waged against their kind. Now, the leaders of various covens are assembling here to discuss what can be done. Okay, so I can can see the common thread with Awakening here. Yeah. There's no cryostasis so far, Tim. I'm disappointed. (laughs) However. This makes a lot more sense than oh yeah, of course, yeah. The the nonsense that we got at the beginning of the you're not kicking it off with Dawn of the Dead style. The world is over. We know about no. It's also got a bit of a Godfather three. Every time I'm out, they pull me back in. Yes, exactly, exactly. Celine asks why she and Michael were summoned, and Barrington tells her that her presence is not uncontroversial. However, he believes that she, as the sun resistant bearer of elder blood, and Michael, as the last direct descendant of Corvinus represent the future of vampire kind. At this, someone among the vampires scoffs, and the crowd parts to reveal Erica, who I assume leaps onto the ceiling and goes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how she is. Yeah. So you say scoff, I think you mean hisses from the roof. <laughs> Celine is shocked to see her, and Erica explains she now leads what is left of Celine's old coven. We don't see her die, so that makes sense. No, no, that's yeah. I, yeah. I did double check. I've made that mistake before, haven't I, boys? <laughs> Hey Jack, didn't he die in a fuck? He did. Um, yeah, no, yeah, write him out. <laughs> did I say that name? I meant another name. <laughs> Erica goes to depart, but Celine follows after her, asking about the other vampires in the coven. Erica warns her to be careful, as their host Barrington has placed Celine and Michael under his protection. But many of the other coven leaders wish to see them dead for the chaos they have caused. Understandable. Celine asks Erica uh, what she wants, to which Erica responds. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> yes. So just just to clarify, because obviously at the start I say Gideon's like, "Oh, you've all all's, all's been forgiven," and he's like, "Yeah, eh, amongst yeah, amongst my small group, all is forgiven." Yeah. You you have been given a pardon. People are still very angry. The yeah. people you didn't directly murder their close yeah. loved ones and yeah. stuff. And you yeah. can get cleared in court. Doesn't mean the people will <laughs> like you. Yes. Yeah. Barrington tells Celine and Michael to make themselves at home. I definitely, I just keep saying the word Barrington and thinking about, <laughs> thinking about what we do in the shadows. 
I can't undersuit Matt Barrington. <laughs> yeah. Barrington tells Celine and Michael to make themselves at home while they wait for the rest of the coven leaders to arrive. Celine encounters Gideon again, who explains that while the humans are killing many of the vampires they find, some are being captured alive and taken to an unknown location. He also warns Celine to be careful, and the two share a moment of obvious chemistry. It's two very attractive, obvious. sexy vampire people. Mm-hmm. Obvious mm. chemistry. Much more chemistry than her and Michael <laughs> have had in the previous two movies. Awkward. The vampire we saw captured earlier awakens in a pristine laboratory cell. He spots someone in another cell opposite and tries to communicate with them until gas pours into the chamber, knocking him out again. He awakens once again, strapped to a gurney as Dr. Morris carries out various tests on him, talking about isolating the virus he is carrying. We're back to the virus again, folks. Tim's doing a Resident Evil crossover. (laughs) It's the T-virus. Morris then heads over to another subject, the person we saw in the other cell earlier, and shocks them with a taser, causing them to transform into a werewolf. Baru! Dun, dun, dun. Inject them with the Transylvania virus. Back at the power plant, Celine and Michael discuss what to do, and Celine admits that she feels responsible for the situation the other vampires face. Michael argues that I'm sorry. Michael argues they should leave before someone decides to attack them, and tells Celine that none of the other vampires care what happens to her. The pair stick to the shadows. What they do there, <laughs> <laughs> we will not know. Uh, <laughs> to the shadows as the other coven leaders and their entourages begin to arrive. Swaggering, piratical, Lysander, Imperius, Stern, Agnica, boisterous, hedonistic Silas, and reserved, analytical La Rouge. The coven leaders discuss their various options, with different ones suggesting they should scatter to different parts of the world, gather in numbers for safety, hide until humans forget about them, or wage all-out war on humanity. Eventually, Barrington ends the discussion and says there is a voice they have yet to hear from, calling Celine forward. Agnika and Lysander both decry her as a traitor, but Barrington reminds them that Celine and Michael are not to be harmed. Celine tells the leaders that the elders built their legacy on a foundation of deception and enslavement, and if the vampires are to survive, they need to leave behind their past. As she talks, Michael senses something nearby and transforming, rapidly climbs up through the wrecked power plant, discovering a lichen spying on the meeting. The spy flees, and Michael and Celine both pursue them, with the, with the approaching dawn preventing the other vampires from joining them. The lichen reaches the surface and heads across the city as Celine and catches up with Michael, and the pair track their prey to a skyscraper under construction, observed as they go on a number of security cameras. The site is being used as a lichen lair and several attack Celine and Michael, overwhelming and separating the two until a voice calls for them to halt. The Lycan's leader, a wolf, oh, sorry, wolf, a woman named Hera, drops down and approaches Michael, saying aloud that she had heard word of a hybrid, but thought it was a legend. I want to step in here briefly, mm. because while I was thinking about this film, I was like, Michael's kind of fighting style is quite, disappointing it is he just kind of super speeds around and then just kind of waves his arm that kind of slashing at people absolutely yeah and so to show that he's a little bit more comfortable with like his hybrid form and stuff in in this film um i'm gonna have him do some wrestling stuff yeah tim 
I mean, it's a merging of vampire, lichen, and human. Yeah, a little, a little bit of like high flying lucha libre kind of stuff, but mainly I just want to see him suplex a werewolf because I think that could be very cool. That is how Underworld is written, Tim. (laughs) So I want to see someone suplex a werewolf through a table. So you know what? Let's make it happen. (laughs) They're about to say that's how you write an Underworld for Jack, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) You've nailed it. Addressing Michael, she asks him to tell your pet vampire to stop struggling. Mm-hmm. We have no desire to take her heart. She explains that her pack has been hunted extensively by the humans and is getting ready to free as many of their number as possible, then leave the city. She says that he should join them, and Michael, returning to human form, tells her that the vampires are considering doing the same. Celine adds that the two races finally have a common enemy, to which Hera responds that either way, the Lycans end up hunted simply for being who they are. Politics. As the two women face off, human special forces attack the site, and Lycans start to scatter. The humans use silver-tipped harpoons to capture several Lycans, dragging them off the building and into armoured trucks. Hera is almost hit by one, but Michael shoves her out of the way and is himself speared. He transforms and almost pulls himself free, but it is hit with two more harpoons. As Celine goes to help him, an explosion knocks her off the building, and Michael is captured. Celine returns to the power plant where most of the vampires are sleeping through the day. She finds Gideon keeping watch, and he tells her that the leaders' meeting could not reach a decision on what to do with Celine and Michael, nor could they agree on how to deal with the humans. He says the vampires got so used to looking to the elders for guidance. They've forgotten how to rule, sorry, how to truly lead, and he was hoping that Celine would help galvanize them into action. It's a very valid point. If you've got this entire society which has been run almost from its inception by these one family, and it's like, mm-hmm. revolution, or, you know, circumstance. And then it's like, what now? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Is it named European City? Very hierarchical, it seems. Very much know, so, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I like that, yeah. Celine replies that she never wanted to be a leader. She was as happy as anyone following orders until she found out the truth of her past, and now she simply wants to be free. Gideon responds that he thought they were free before, but now he's not so sure. She explains that Michael has been captured, and Gideon tells her they haven't been able to track where the kidnapped vampires are taken to. Celine tells him that she's going to hunt down the Lycans, who seem to know where their kind were being kept, and Gideon offers to join her. At the laboratory... Dr. Morris examines Michael, who, despite heavy sedation, keeps fighting his way back to consciousness. Dr. Morris marvels at Michael's unique physiology and tells him that he's a very sexy young boy. (laughs) (laughs) And tells him while he's identified traces of common DNA in both vampires and lichens, in Michael, they are much more pronounced. He suggests that Michael is perhaps a direct descendant of some kind of common ancestor, confirming many of his theories. Michael continues to struggle against his restraints, and Morris increases his sedation, telling him, Please, brother, this will be easier if you don't struggle. Seeing Michael's confused reaction, he corrects himself, saying they are more like distant cousins, but certainly we share enough of the same genetic markers to open up some very exciting possibilities, once enough material has been harvested. Back to my fucking multiple people. Yep, Tim. Like it. As you were saying that, I was like, Matt will enjoy a certain (laughs) plot point of my pitch. Everyone's related. Love it. As Michael begins to fade into unconsciousness, Morris approaches with some 
gnarly looking medical implements. It's a bit of a sore moment here. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. As dusk falls, Celine and Gideon head out across the city, with Celine tracking the lichens from the construction site to a disused railway yard. As the pair approach, they are confronted by Hera, who tells them to leave before they once again bring the humans down upon them. Celine tells her that if she shares where the lab is, Celine will help free the captured lichens. But Hera tells her that first, she must pay for all the lichen blood that she has spilled. Gideon suggests they find another way to track down Michael, but Celine tells, but Celine tells him she must face her past with the lichens as well as with the vampire covens. Mm. Celine and Hera, now in werewolf form, face off in single combat in the train yard and have an awesome, very brutal fight. That's exactly what Tim wrote. That's what's going to be on screen. Yeah, none of this. Late, uh, None of this World of Warcraft sexual dimorphism where the male <laughs> werewolves look like werewolves and the female ones look like a woman with, with some long tail. hair. Yeah. No, she's a proper fucking lichen. Yeah. Nice. With Celine finally getting the upper hand by wrapping Hera up in a heavy chain and choking her, Hera yields and transforms back, gathering the remnants of her pack and guiding Celine and Gideon to Morris Lab, a fortress-like structure in the heart of the city. Hera reveals that they have found an underground passage that brings them out close to some of the holding pens, but more captives are held deeper in the facility. Celine tells her to wait for alarms to start ringing and get out as many people as she can. Inside the lab, Dr. Morris works on the samples he has taken from Michael, passing some off to one of his assistants. Still restrained and drugged and now brutally injured, Michael tells him he's tampering with forces beyond his control! and that he believes the vampires and lichens kept themselves secret as much for the safety of humanity as for their own sake. Eh, Corvinus did that. But you know what? Still accurate. Um, Morris scoffs at this idea and says that secrets are a toxin, poisoning both the ignorant and the wise. But that truth, truth is the antidote. I mean, that's, that's, this is full-on fucking mad scientist shit. Yeah, this, yeah. this works. As he says this, he injects himself with the serum that he has been making, and Michael watches in horror as Morris starts to transform, because that's exactly the sort of stupid thing you'd say before yeah. you go, I'm going to buzz myself <laughs> up. Yeah. At the facility entrance, Celine and Gideon make a frontal assault, killing a bunch of humans who totally deserve it. <laughs> it is very Matrix Lobby-esque, hey. but with more of a focus on swords. Nice. To, you know, make it a little bit more distinct. Mm. As reinforcements flood to defend the lab, Hera and her lichens break in through their underground entrance and begin to free the trapped lichens and vampires. However, they begin to meet heavy resistance and are cut off from their escape by heavily armoured troops with silver and UV weaponry. Hearing this over the guards' radios, Celine sends Gideon to reinforce the escapees while she heads up into the lab by herself. Celine takes out more guards and frees another group of captives, including the vampire and lichen we saw being experimented on earlier, before finally locating the lab where Michael is being kept. She frees him from his restraints and the IVs keeping him sedated, and he regains consciousness just in time to warn her as Morris, transformed into a hulking hybrid form, lunges out of the darkness at her. The pair fight with Celine barely able to defend herself against the monstrosity's speed and ferocity. He pushes her backwards out of the lab and hurls her down a lift shaft where she is impaled on wreckage. Leaping down, Morris prepares to kill her, but is distracted by Gideon and Hera, who, having saved the captives, have returned to help. Uh, sort of Forces United kind of moment. Makes mm. sense. Uh, they are no match for Morris's transformed state, 
but gives Celine the moment she needs to pull herself free and begin to heal. Morris renews his attack, forcing Hera and Gideon to flee. But as he goes to pursue them, Celine sinks her sword into his back. He backhands her across the room and advances on her, only to be pulled back by Michael, who has healed enough to join the fight. Together, he and Celine are able to immobilize Morris after a big fight that looks cool. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Celine chops his head off. Nice. Because that's hey. her go to move. It very much is. As more and more guards flood into the facility, the pair flee into the night. Returning to the power plant, Celine throws Morris's severed head in front of the assembled coven leaders and tells them it is time to put aside the past and focus on their survival. All their survival, she adds, glancing at Hera and her pack who have accompanied them back from the plant. Michael speaks up, saying that he doesn't know what the future holds, but if they continue as they have, both vampires and lichens will be wiped out, and humanity will not fare much better. There is much murmuring among the assembled vampires before Erica stands and asks Celine if she is declaring herself leader. Celine replies that she is not looking to lead, but she will not run away from her responsibilities either. She will no longer be a death dealer. Oh my god, death dealers! Um, I will protect... All the children of Corvinus, vampire and lichen alike. The children of the night. <gasps> mommy, sorry, mommy, sorry, <laughs> mommy. <laughs> um, we cut to her and Michael on a rainy rooftop, watching over the city, as Hugh Jackman shouts at the clouds. <laughs> In a post-credit scene, <gasps> Barrington and Erica meet in a secluded corner. Mm. Erica asks if he thinks Celine suspects anything. Barrington replies that even if she does, the wheels are already in motion. The camera pans down to the additional samples of Michael's DNA that Dr. Morris took, held in Barrington's hands. Oh. Interesting. Tim didn't put it to bed after all. Put it to bed and did some things Tim's to it, Tim. setting up the blood wars. So, um, obviously, infinitely fucking better. Yes. <laughs> and obviously, without saying, even though you haven't seen it, guess what? Blood wars. Much better than that shit, too. Um, I, I think you've made a really... Here's, here's where I'm torn. I think you've made a fantastic underworld film. I think this would be the sort of thing like, yeah, this feels right. This is good. This is the sort of vibe. And it's also the whole all unstable alliance. But then, as you say, with the post-credits thing, it's the... And also with 2012, we're into like, we're going to put post-credits things and everything. Um, it's the same year as Avengers, put it that way. Absolutely. It fits and makes sense that, um, you know, there's an uneasy alliance and it's like, yeah, but it's all been pulling the strings in the background. Okay, cool. So I presume you're thinking this will continue. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where it would go. Um, you don't but, need to. <laughs> that's not yeah. your job. Yeah. That's not my fucking problem. Yeah, and if anyone's like cliffhangers, get fucked. <laughs> um, but um, the reason I want to bring that up is because I, from the Rotten Tomato specifically, this is where I'm going with this. One. My only criticism could and would be, it's 2012, and part of the reason Awakening sort of faltered a bit is. People kind of like Jack, myself, and other people who went, I'm kind of done now. Yeah. And this is a very much a continuation of the story. Mm. But then also, as much as I'd be like, ah, could, could that be a problem? Do we want to change things up? Do you want to evolve it? Do you want to make it something a bit different or whatever? It's like, no, because as we've established from Rotten Tomatoes, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Everybody who doesn't like this stuff 
hates it and those who are already here want it to be good yeah. and you've made it better and have started this new arc this new journey this new chapter so technically it's like yeah this this has legs this has a bit of life left in it um let's see where it goes i think it's one of those franchises where the people who are inclined to like it are pretty much always going to like it so they're you already just, here so you just have to kind of please them. Ta- please Appeal them to the nerds. and and, and mm. tailor it more to their like once and you know like one thing Mm. i wanted to do is put in like there's kind of like oh there's some like romantic tension with gideon yeah like maybe some like romantic tension between michael and hera as well oh interesting um Mm -hmm. and and basically put a bit more soap opera love triangle stuff in there Mm -hmm. because i think this is a franchise that appeals to women as much as it does to men Oh, absolutely i think that's Um, the thing that as long as you're vaguely gothy um you know, I think I think it's one of those kind of things. A bit like, you know, your Queen of the Dams and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, Starcross lovers don't have to stop with one couple. Yes. You can have lots of like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Ooh. And I think and I think that it loses something because we pair them up so quickly. Yeah. You know, there's a reason that they get to the third film and are like, ah, okay, let's do a prequel where we've got another couple that we can do, do the, the same, same story. story again yeah. with. Um because I think you know, you look at all these young adult franchises that are happening at this time and they're full of love triangles and they're oh, yeah. trying to eke out that tension for as long as possible. So mm. I wanted to put a bit of that in there as a nod to A, the kind of prevalent trends, but also like if this is going to have legs, you either need to make the core couple of, of Selena Michael like work a lot better and be a really fleshed out relationship. Which requires recasting Scott's been. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, or you need to put in some more tension with some rivals. And I think this yeah. is more the kind of thing where rivals work better because it's that very pulpy, melodramatic type story. Yeah, I, I think for those who... Uh, this isn't being condescending, I hope. Um, for those who enjoy stories, whether it's books or films or whatever, for what it is, cool. No problem. For those who understand narrative structures and and uh, set up some tropes and things, it's all right to have stakes in the form of political movements like you have here. But if there's no emotional investment, the audience won't care because the characters don't care. Um, it, it's not enough to say, oh, you know, this particular nation is invading this particular nation. It's this particular nation is made in this particular nation, and that's where my gran is from, and therefore mm-hmm. I will fight. And that's it's, mm. it's that that's the reason the characters invest in where films go wrong so often. They're either too heavily in the emotional investment, and then the story doesn't work because you don't give a shit, or alternatively, there's no emotional investment. Why is uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson fighting Godzilla? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like because his dad was mental. I was like, I was he? Anyway, point I'm trying to get to is. This is a good hybrid of those things. And because there's so little you hybrid? can Hybrid? Uh-huh. Ah, fucking. Um, Steak out? Ah, uh-huh. fucking. Um, there's so little you can draw on from the first thing. So those loops being closed off, you are starting new loops and new reasons to have things and new emotional tensions and things. And I like that. I think it's really good. Um, and also from the other side of things, you have the whole, yeah, this is a huge power dynamic shift. The, the world doesn't just sort of stop and, oh, look. We're in the sun now. Stories of it. You can end it there. Of course you mm. can. But you've genuinely sort of moved the world on. It's like, well, what happens next? And you've taken the bits from Awakening Under and, and Blood Wars, sorry, that make sense with the whole like, well, humans are going to realize because this whole 
operation of covering things up is now gone. Yeah. It's in disarray. It's in chaos. What does the next regime look like? And as you say, this very hierarchical um, coven of vampires, well, not coven, just race of vampires. Whereas mm. this very, um, I loathe to use the phrase alpha, but um, the, the idea that the, the werewolves seem to be, or the lichens tend to be drawn to the strongest. Mm. The most uh, dominant personality, shall we say. Um, so there is the one heart. They're doing the same thing, basically, in different forms. So there is that wonderful, beautiful parallel of like, oh, yeah, these are the same sort of, you know, th there's a symmetry to them. There's mm. a similarity. Um, and, and all the sort of like, yes, but they're still, in inverted commas, people and therefore well-drawn characters. And therefore, there will always be underhand wankery and like, oh, actually, it's my secret plan to do this and yada, yada, yada. Um, so yeah, as I said, I think it's a solid underworld film. I think it carries on the universe stuff. It doesn't feel like it's going backward and regressing to because this, because this, because this. It's like, no, we're going forward and seeing what's next, which is what a lot of sequels should do, feeling like they belong in the universe. And the thing we also bring up uh, with a lot of these fixes uh, is not one of the criticism, but definitely one of the, the issues with my Atlantis pick, uh, fix, sorry, which we all agree like, yeah, we like this film feels like it could be tied in more with Atlantis. feels like such a, a good film as it is in as a good pitch, as opposed to a really solid, this is what happened next sort of thing, even though there's a very strong tie into Atlantis. Um, and what I mean by that is it has to still feel like, because mm. uh, the, uh, the reaction we have with a lot of these things we fix is, can I just burn it all? Yeah. And we, we do sometimes, but it starts to feel like it belongs to that universe. Yeah. To a degree. And I think that's what you've done here and it makes sense. My only, again, that's that, that, that awful criticism I keep going back to, I keep circling my head like, yeah, but that can only last so long because the franchise is the way it is. And, but then it's also counteracted immediately with, yeah, but the fans don't want it to change. <laughs> and I'm not saying just, you know, appease them, but it's also like, they're the only ones who are paying for it. So, mm. yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that because it's so the natural thing to follow on from that, like we said, all the covens are fucked, all the elders are dead, all that kind of stuff. The things, the Corvinus thing, all that covering it up is destroyed. So you kind of have to reveal the vampires and werewolves in the next film, right? Yeah. And the way they do it in Awakening is so fast and insane and not explained at all. And I mm. much prefer the subtlety and kind of like, it feels way like, way less like, sorry, the dystopian kind of bullshit we get in awakening and more like this is an actual world that is going through a change mm. yeah you're not like post-apocalypse you feel like mid-apocalypse mm. want a better phrase where you're actually getting humans coming to an understanding and it's not like suddenly humans are like yeah we've killed them all we've wiped them all out we've suddenly got all this police state genocide suddenly mm. police state genocide overnight basically it's mm. like you've got that kind of transitional period where they're still actively being hunted but there are enough Mm. Like like we were saying before, it's like our species have been genocided, except for you know all these few hundred people here and these few hundred people here <laughs> and these few hundred people here. It's like, well, how many of them were you in the first place? Yeah, it feels like we're a few steps away from that, which I think is the right decision you made mm. there, Tim. Because mm. Awakening feels like such a jump. Mm. It's such a bullshit. Like, and then twelve years later, yeah, bleh, and, yeah. yeah, and also all that it's still only a small number of humans know and they are keeping it secret as well like because exactly. they're trying to exploit it yeah. rather than doing this like oh yeah there's now like door-to-door -door testing to see if you're a vampire um so like they COVID have tests. in in yeah the little guns beep, beep. yeah <laughs> <laughs> no um as i say i think it was a very i think i said this at the start is like 
arguably a very easy task to make a underworldly kind of film, but it's the nuance mm. of making it a good and a pleasing film that fits the franchise, which I think mm. you've done very well. Yeah, I really like your idea of having the almost like build on the tension of the relationship between Michael and Celine and having other potential love interests kind of test mm. them. Because I don't know about you guys, and we said there's no fucking chemistry there. You never get the sense that they have a strong relationship. Mm. They just kind of like, oh, I guess we're in love now. Yeah. Because we're the chosen ones ish. And then we're yeah. bonded forever. And, and it's like, okay. And, and I also wanted to kind of dig in a little bit to the fact like they get together very quickly. Yeah. And he has literally just learned about vampires and shit. He goes from like, like, oh, vampires are a thing to I am the chosen one, basically married for life for the yeah. rest of our immortal lives to this vampire i've literally just met but like his only connection to that world is celine basically and so like he would very much be of the attitude of like let's just fucking get out of there every other vampire and werewolf sucks like you can come in the sun so can i let's just go and we'll come in the sun together in the sun yeah (laughs) um you best believe they're coming in the sun uh whereas she would still feel you know even though she is like killed victor and killed marcus and all that kind of stuff like she would still feel some kind of kinship to the other vampires that are out there uh and and i thought that was okay that's an interesting source of tension in their relationship because he would he would literally just be like no fuck all that like every other vampire sucks like you know and she'd be like no actually some of them some of them were my friends suck matthew no fucking fucking... but you're right tim and uh, (laughs) weirdly enough it, it it's the thing some of the best genre movies and really schlocky poppy things are for lack of a better word quantum leap allow me to explain <laughs> um, what i mean that is more um, scott bacula more scots more um, scots yeah no what i mean by that is um stories that people uh 13 year old jack and 17 year old matt would be like nah but you put a bit of a sci-fi or fantasy twist on it, you're like, ooh. So, for example, if I tell you a story that's set in, I don't know, fucking 1877 America, and you're like, yeah. And this person, this American, has leave, left the country for the first time, and he's traveled to, I don't know, China or something. It's like, yeah. And he meets this woman. Yeah. <laughs> And then he says, we should run away from your family and your history and go live in a different country. So I don't want to. That's a weird thing for me to do. It's like, you know, it's like, well, I I found out I've got, you know, heritage somewhere, but I'm not really connected to it in a real way. So let's go. It's like, that sounds like a very, you know, uh, boring, pulpy novel. But it's like, but did I mention one of them's a vampire? One's a vampire werewolf hybrid. Like, oh, (laughs) oh, hang on. Now I'm on board. And they do shooting. And then they shoot. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's literally somebody turning up and saying your entire family and culture is cool and all, but can we go? Because I feel that they're toxic. And it's like, Mm. Probably the right thing to do, but also it's very hard to sever yourself from your family. Yeah. So I think there's an emotional, actual, very strangely mature core to your story that Underworld isn't used to having that you're like, yeah, we could do something with this. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I and I, you know, it's the thing, I, I very much want Gideon to represent that, like... Yes. No, he is, he is the, the part of vampire society that's worth, like, hanging on to and, like have their connection in mm. that way whereas the kind of the Hera Michael is a much more like 
instinctual kind of like uh Oz and Veruca in Buffy the Vampire Slayer where oh, it's just like yeah. oh we're werewolves so we kind of want to fuck each other because we're just like pumping out pheromones yeah um I also love the idea that Celine is like really into Michael for whatever reason and stuff and they have actual conversation and then mm. they realize that Michael is a 27 year old in the 2000s mm. and he knows nothing and has shit opinions and she's been alive for hundreds of years and yeah. then she's like oh god he knows nothing <laughs> he hasn't read a single fucking the moment, book the moment that should have happened in twilight yeah you know? our conversations are nothing <laughs> yeah. oh my god I, t- I can't do this i can't even kill him but yeah good fix tim nice yeah much much improved upon awakening thank god and uh leaves room for blood wars so everybody's happy right matthew yeah. Well, well, we'll have to see if Jonathan Firth-Clark is happy. Yes, indeed. Let us know, John. I'm sure you will on Discord and things like that. You can come and join the Discord by going to sequelizers.com. Click on the Discord button. There is an invite there. There are more than 200 members of our lovely little server. It's a very welcoming community. And with the impending destruction of Twitter, <laughs> it might be the little, last little salvation area. Yep. It'll be our little coven in the in the midst of the apocalyptic world. Yep. Cold blood in hot glasses. That's that's. I'm gonna rename the server. <laughs> <laughs> so welcome. We you get cold blood and hot glasses, baby. Nice. Yeah. Uh, like I said, click on the link in the Discord page on our website, and you'll get an invite. That's all you need to do. Read the rules. Read a little thing. Say hello. You'll get welcomed by the welcoming committee. That is a lot of gifts. From our various members. Some names you'll recognize from the EPs and the VIPs, including the man who picked this episode himself, Mr. Jonathan Firth Clark. He lurks in there, as do the three of us as well. It's probably the best place for like post show discussions and stuff like that. As soon as this episode will go up on the Friday, a lot of people will be discussing it from the Patreon side of things. And there's another discussion when it goes up on the Tuesday as well. There's lots of like post show chat and loads of other topics as well we talk about other films we talk about sports we talk about politics and life advice and all kinds of stuff there was a whole dating conversation that happened the other day it was was very funny and people had assumed that m from verbal diorama emma jane and emma being matt and i's respective wives were all the same person at one point get more names people (laughs) (laughs) various emmas all being the same person yeah and my sister's name is emily so that was very confusing yeah um (laughs) for those who have heard obviously a lot of these episodes of the past you may think oh yeah what happens the in-season things with the frequently asked questions and listener feedback it's like because we have a question and answers part of the discord so technically we're answering questions immediately yeah almost all the time so if you're like oh i want to ask a question but the interseason hasn't come up join the discord yeah just chuck it in the q a channel it's a nice and easy way to get direct access to us and our questions and thoughts and opinions and all that kind of stuff on various different topics if you do want to follow us and if twitter is still a thing hopefully hmm. uh you, we are at sequelizers on twitter we're sequelizers on instagram facebook's still around i guess we're also sequelizers on facebook if you want to follow us there yeah not really much going on on Facebook last time I checked, apart from a bunch of angry Brexit-fearing mums. Racism and fear. Yeah. Not us. That's, that's the internet, right? This that's is the internet true. in general. Uh, I am JLW Chambers on absolutely all the social media stuff. Matthew, how can people follow you on the internet? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z on all the various social medias. You can go to cheesemint.com and see the things that I make. You can go to the redrighthand.co.uk to read my reviews. You can also check out Sumo Drop Pod on Twitter if it's still there uh, <laughs> for my Sumo Wrestling podcast. Sumo Drop. Uh, Tim. Uh, 
If I wanted to find out if you too were a descendant of the Corvinus line, <laughs> where would I ask you? <laughs> Uh, drink my Twitter stream blood oh, and geez. flash back through my memories. Uh, Thought you'd never ask. Trivia underscore lad. I will be there until the wheels fall off of that particular website or app or whatever you want to call it. Um, Same out uh, of laziness to be yeah, and I Yeah, and I guess after that, just find me on the Discord. Fair? Yeah, nice. Like I said, you can go and support us on patreon.com slash sequelizers if you want to get the bonus content, ad-free and early access and all that good stuff. If you can't support us monetarily because shit's still tough right now. you can When will it not be? I feel like I've been saying that forever and we will say that forever because we're living in unprecedented times. I don't know if you guys knew that. It's still fucking unprecedented. Everything's unprecedented. It's so unprecedented. It means it's basically nothing precedented <laughs> at this point. It means nothing. If, if things went right for five years in a row, we'd be like, I don't understand what's <laughs> happening here. This is unprecedented. This is unprecedented. <laughs> exactly. But yes, you can review us on your podcast app of choice, whether that's Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is you're listening to us on. Please do give us a little review, leave us a comment on there. We'd very much appreciate that. That helps spread the show and spread the good word of sequelizers. Just tell your mates, basically. If you enjoyed the show, if you want to discuss various underworld leanings and potential crossovers with Resident Evil, tell your friends. Have a big debate about it. I don't know. Don't do tell we- us. <laughs> don't tell us. <laughs> but we will be back next week. With the season finale. God damn, end of season 11 already. End of season 11. Like I said, we'll have a movie commentary to go along with the episode. And here's a little tease for you. Oh, here we go. It's the end of a trilogy. Sort of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the same way that Underworld's a trilogy, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Underworld is more of a trilogy than these movies. Yeah, that's true. But this is, um, yeah. It, it, there's some through lines, I guess. Oh, no, no, I, I, I absolutely you can see what you're saying. Yeah, but um, don't uh, want to spoil yeah. too much. No, no. <laughs> I, you, you say that, they've all gone, oh, I know exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, we'll have people what usually happens. Straight away. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll be back next week with the season finale. Until then, thank you very much for listening and have a lovely week. Bye.